they do it Saturday mornings mm-hmm. early. Like uh, okay. it started at, they did it Saturday morning. They started at nine o'clock my time. So 11 okay. o'clock Eastern. Got it. I believe. Um, yeah. Welcome everybody. Here we are after hours. Carlos uh, from Because I'm Carlos. The Carlos from the hit show Because I'm Carlos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sure. Joins me, joins me for some after hours. For dozens um, of people they are. Dozens and dozens. Dozens. Dozens of people watching the Because I'm Carlos show. So, um, yeah, we were just chatting about Hobby Hotline, which is a another YouTube live streamer, live, live streaming show that I called into this morning uh, because that's what they do. It's a live call-in show. And so I was, uh, I was watching the show, and uh, at one point um, – so there – Hobby Hotline, I just want to talk about it for a second here, Carlos. Hobby Hotline is a group of guys that I think that they basically all had their own podcasts at one time, and they still do. Mm-hmm. And now they've just sort of decided, hey, we're going to work together. We're going to build a show, and it's going to be a call-in show. And they they tout it as the hobby's uh, only live call-in show, and it's pretty cool. Uh, Drew runs the show. It seems like he kind of quarterbacks it. And so so what I did is I uh, I called in. And just just like you and Bobby did on my on this show back on Wednesday when you guys came to the rescue. Hello, Bobby. I see you there. Good evening to you again. And uh, so I called in because um, you know Rich Klein is one of the regular hosts on the show, and he was my guest here a couple of weeks ago. And he encouraged me. Yeah, you should call in sometimes. So I did. I called in this morning, but I didn't call in until I heard somebody mention hockey because they were talking about football and soccer most of the time. I thought I'm what you know, I'm not going to call in to say hey guys, I'm Jeremy. But um, when I heard hockey come up, I'm like, all right, that's it. So I hit, I hit, you know, join, join studio or join whatever. I, I punched in the URL and I went in and, uh, and Drew brought me on screen right away. So I, I was like looking down on my phone. So my bald head is in the camera and all of a sudden I look up and there I am on the screen. And, uh, but it was a lot of fun. These guys are really nice guys. Um, and Eric Norton from Beckett Live Presents was mm-hmm. co-hosting this morning. So again, they they do it Saturday mornings at like, 11 a.m. Eastern, and so it's pretty early. And uh, but it, it was I had a great time on there. I was only on there for about, I don't know seven eight minutes, I'd say. But um, the conversation was great. These the guys are all awesome. There's there's Mike Summer, there was Eric Norton, there was Drew Herndon, and then uh, John Newman is another regular host of the show, but he wasn't on at the time. But then he messaged me after we talked. We spoke throughout the day, worked out a few things for some future shows and that. And uh, great show. I've, I've I've enjoyed it since I've heard of it. And um, had had fun on there today. Have you had have you had a chance, Carlos, to catch Hobby Hotline? I probably caught a couple of minutes of it here and there. It's one of those things where the format is interesting, but um, I guess like most call-in shows, I I take it with a grain of salt because it's like, oh, the colors. Yeah, but you know, what? I, I will say, watching the ep- the episodes, the co- the callers have been good that I've seen, and a lot of them are regular. So, well, that would uh, be the hope then. Then hopefully they've kind of called yeah. outs because you, with a call-in show, you're always inviting some. It's one thing if you've got somebody in a chat. And you can choose who to display and who not to display. It's another thing when you got a call, you don't, you just got a name. Okay, what do you want to talk about? That's why I call in live call in shows are usually uh, always a little, that's why they have the button. They're like, ready that's to right. be like that's I'm right. going to expel you as soon as you say something out of line. You're that's gone. Right. And you know how StreamYard works here. I can, I can boot you quite easily if I want. Not yeah. only can I boot you, I can, I can, ba- I, I have the option to kick you out. Mm-hmm. Or the option to or the option to ban you, so you can never get back in. But I wouldn't I wouldn't do either of those to you, Carlos. I want to say hello to Dave Jones. Welcome to After Hours Legion. Welcome back, Eric. Welcome back. He welcomes back, Carlos. Bobby Thank Burrell. You. Nice to see you again. 
Matt, round two, ding, ding, ding. Ah, uh, yes, trolls on call-in shows. You know, I, I listen to the Flames games on the radio here, and then there's the there's the call-in after the call-in show afterwards, and it's the same guys that call in all the yeah. time. But the the host is actually really good at speeding up any lulls and really getting to some interesting stuff. Uh, but you know, he does let some guys kind of ramble on, and sometimes you could tell that these guys have been uh, you know having a few so a few wobbly pops along the way in the evening, and it can be pretty entertaining. It makes for good radio if you if you control it well. What you're talking about is what uh, in my old life I used to work in a call center doing calls, and it's call control. That's like, yeah. look, I'll let you talk, but there will come a time where I'm either going to speed you up or I'm going to get you out of here if you're, yeah. if you're going out of line. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Brian, welcome back, man. Welcome back. Dave Hart, finally home from work and finally listen. Hey, everyone. Yeah, Dave, welcome back. You you missed the first show. It was, uh, we went for two hours with Chris Carlin, uh, name Cardinal, joined us for probably half an hour in there at about the hour 15 mark. Carlos, you watched, you listened to the episode. Um yep. Oh, and here, Brian says, Jeremy, great job producing the show tonight. Well done. Brian, I want to say, Brian, to Brian, thanks for noticing because what I was what I was doing was we had a slideshow going, and mm-hmm. I was running the slides, and instead of keeping the slide on while Chris was speaking to it the whole time, and I, we were just sort of the small boxes along the side of the screen, mm-hmm. I kind of went back to the, 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 the wide angle like we have right now, mm-hmm. and then I went back and... So, and, you know, bringing the comments on. So uh, I appreciate that comment because I did, I kind of, I kind of got into a bit of a rhythm there. It was actually, it was fun to produce that with a, with a presentation going on really. But That's why I like the StreamYard platform for what it is. It actually gives you a surprising amount of adaptability. You can kind of play around with things on the fly unless you really mess with it a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, it's a great, it's a great platform. I, I love it. You know what? I got to say, if it wasn't for StreamYard, I don't think this show would have evolved into what it's become Streamyard has really facilitated this so anyone out there who's looking to do live streaming and any type of content hobby or otherwise uh Streamyard is it's pretty awesome for it i think mm-hmm. but <clears throat> so the show we just had two hours it was it was a it was it was it was an emotional show at times it was inspirational and and it was uh it, it, you know it, emotional i think it's the best word i can use like i said to chris after there were a couple times i literally was like choking back tears mm-hmm. especially it was the one where he showed the i think the heroic inspiration cards mm-hmm. of the father of who passed away and had mm-hmm. like had two or yeah, three and they did the kids. photoshop to include both of the kids yeah yeah Man, that that tugged at my heartstrings. And then at the end, talking about Chris's brother John, who has ALS, and you could see Chris getting choked up. Like this, this was a this wasn't just let's talk about hockey products or state of the hobby. This was more of a I don't know. I felt it was an important episode. We got to name who came on as the surprise guest. Mm-hmm. What was did a great job, and really, and he's been on before. So if you you may have seen him before on the show, but. You know, we got to speak to that the Indigenous Rookie Cards project he's doing, and now how Chris Carlin at Upper Deck saw him on on Sports Cards Live, and decided, you know, hey, we got to do something with this guy, and we got to bring to light some of these players who played but never had cards. Like, in a weird way, I feel intimately involved with this in it that they they made that connection via this show, like. Uh, it's a it's a privilege. It's a it's a it's it's a purely a privilege for me to 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 even be loosely involved i'm you know i'm not involved now but to facilitate that happening is uh, i don't know it's pretty cool I, I think it's just pretty cool you know and that that episode overall was one that i'm, I'm very very pleased with 
I think that uh, I think to your point, and I was about to make a pithy joke, but I've been like, all right, more serious content. Hold on, we'll be serious for a second. Uh, but it is good that it it's nice that then Carlin can come on and be able to like draw the link because he was able to see a name on your show, which then in turn facilitated and assisted in uh, in developing a set that allows some representation for some folks that were missed out on some representation. See, I can be serious sometimes. Yeah, I, I was going to make some jokes, but I'm gonna I'm gonna be nice and we'll, we'll take it easy on this one, at least for the first part. It's a you know, and it, it, there were serious topics in that episode, yeah. and uh, you know, so so I appreciate that, Carlos. I mean, I said to Carlos, guy, everybody watched. I said to Carlos before we came on, I said, no, you've got more energy than I do right now, today, tonight. I'm also um, bogged down from allergies, and I barely slept, and yeah, but that that's why I always say like I'm just warming up. It's like, dude, this is me run down. This is the rundown <laughs> version. Right on. Well, I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're here to kind of bring up, uh, elevate my energy, if you will. Uh, Brian says, "Hey to Legion." Eric says, "Wobbly Pop's going to start using." I am surprised you haven't heard that. That's common where I come from. Uh, Brian, thank you for that. Legion says, "Boy Names Project looks spectacular." Yeah, and check out his website. I put it up. I can. I'll put it up again if anyone wants to see it because I still have it here. But that's the website. It, it's. It's just. A, I think it's just an important project for society, really, more, more than anything else. Brian, you did notice. Thanks, man. Because yeah, that was that was a that was a bit of a, a ry rhythmic juggling act, I'll say. Name, there he is. Thank you for your unbelievable kindness. However, I can't say it's just mine. Joe says powerful content. Well done. Thank you, Joe. Legion, don't sell yourself short. You're an amazing resource. Thank you, Legion. I appreciate that. Brian, Jeremy's going to start making everyone cry like the Master Roy Firestone you had two tonight. I almost started crying twice tonight myself. It was it was pretty cool. Yeah, that was it was cool. Very cool. I don't think, oh, what's that? I don't think Carlos will cry. I don't think so either. Well, Brian, don't underestimate how moved I was by the by the use of PowerPoint decks because I was thinking nostalgically to PowerPoint decks that I remember historically, you know, sales figures and charts, and I was getting choked up and emotional. And then I was like, oh, wait, there's stuff on the slide. Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> Hilarious. Chris, hello to you. Hello to you. And uh, who who's this? Who is this? Is this, this isn't Paul Cashman, is it? It says Facebook user. It's Facebook. I know, but I don't, it's yeah. Mr. User. Like who 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 is who's this? Can you put can you let us know? Is this the Medano collector? Did he end up getting the shield? No. This I, is the Medano collector. He did not end up getting the shield. That shield went for more than I thought it was gonna go. I, for. So I'll, I'll quickly I'll quickly answer it. So the yeah. shield itself, uh Jeremy and I kind of talked offline and we were trying to we were trying to figure out like concept-wise what we thought it would go for. And I looked at some previous comps for shields and cars like that. Go ahead. Hold on. We're talking about a Mike Medano shield yeah. from which product was it? This was ultimate, I believe. Ultimate. Okay, sorry. Continue. Yeah. Oh no, actually, no. Hold on. It was uh, the Panini product. It was uh, oh, one it of the Panini Dominion. ones. Dominion. Yeah, Dominion. That's the one. That's exactly. Right. They're they're premium. They're premium yeah. product. But it was still a shield patch and an autograph as well. Um. So beautiful card. Uh. And a one of one of one of one of course. But I was looking at uh, previous comps for it, and I was trying to figure out. Okay, I think we're fell. I was comfortable. Well, I should say uncomfortable. I bid up to eight hundred seventy dollars US. So I bid what was a pretty strong offer. Uh, I haven't gone anywhere close to that kind of price figure because for the most part, I've never had to. And I still lost out by about 40 bucks. It went for 910 US. And, and by the way, that would have also included the reason why I would have bid more, but also I have to factor in the shipping and that and the eBay, uh, the eBay international shipping global thing, whatever. Shipping. Cool. It would have added like hundred another $150. So I'm actually taught when I say 870, I'm talking about comfortably over a thousand. That's yeah. actually what my bid would have been. Yeah. And translated to Canadian, that's about $1,300 Canadian. Not an insignificant sum, and I still lost. And you still lost. I yeah. I remember sending you my my guess of what it would sell for. I said to you, I think I said to you, I see you getting that card for four to five hundred dollars. 
well, I was I was like forty percent of the price, really, because you know, and I I was thinking Canadian, so it went it went for more than that yeah, for sure. It, it went it went for a pretty penny. Are you? So I mean, we can all we can all identify with that, Carlos. You you because you were watching that card for a full week. I mean, mm-hmm. you you knew it was coming. You probably, I think we discussed, you were gonna not buy some other cards in order mm-hmm. to allocate those funds towards this one. Mm-hmm. So for all of us watching who collect cards, and we've all been through that, what was it like when you didn't win the card? What did it feel like as a collector? Well, I don't, I don't want to disappoint Brian, but um, in, in the vein of what we talked about, I, I I looked at it. I looked at the final price, and I felt an emotional response like, huh, oh, well. <laughs> anyway, click, 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 click. I did like four by now. <laughs> so Carlos is like the most emotionless guy I think that I've ever met. Right? No, here, it's, here it's, the thing is, I knew I, what I was willing to do. And, and like jokes aside, I knew what I was willing to do. And if somebody was willing to pay more, hey, man, good. You know, good, I hope you enjoy the card because I, I was – I bought four or five cards, including some awesome cards that I'm that I've gotten in the collection. I've enjoyed uh, one of those Pujols rookies that I bought was immediately after. As soon as I lost the card, I was like, "All right, Pujols rookie yeah. it is." Buy it now. I had other cards that I was like, "I can't buy these right now because I am holding these funds to try to win this thing." When I didn't win it, I was like, "Well, chains are off. We're going." Yeah. Go shopping. So yeah, Time it was it shopping. was a very short lived emotion response. I, I think I shed like half a tear and then it went right back in. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, I hear you, man. It's it's the same thing for me. I, you know, I used to get more upset by losing out on cards in the last minute, and it's at my own fault because I'm a sniper. Mm-hmm. So my my bid goes in with two seconds left, and if I don't get the card, it's too late to to up my my bid. Usually, sometimes you know how it pre, on the on the app it preloads a few more options. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can get one in, and, and you don't even know what what it is because there could have been three other bids. Mm-hmm. So you could have bid a hundred dollars as your max bid, but all of a sudden. In the, after you bid, there were three more bids, and then the preloaded one could be five hundred or a thousand dollars. And if you hit it without looking, uh oh, you might. That happened to me one time several years ago. I paid way more for a card than I wanted, and oh yeah, yeah, that was that was a bad buy. But I think it would have also been a very different game under two circumstances. If I didn't already have fifteen hundred other Medana cards, I had yeah. already been working on the collection for a long time. And the second one is if I didn't have dozens of one of ones. Like if I literally, if this was my first one of one, and this is the one that I had my heart set on, it is a centerpiece type card. A shield card is an awesome card. But if, if I literally had never had one or won a great card before or whatever, and this is the one I was going for and I lost, the disappointment would have been like huge. Yeah. As it was, I was annoyed, but I was like, you were willing to pay more than me. I, I, I can't stop it. No, like I was saying, I used to get more upset by it, but now I've just really become comfortable with the philosophy that there's always more cards to buy out yeah. there. No matter what it is, you'll always find something else to 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 take its spot, to put your money into. And I think we just, there's so many cards out there, so many collectors now. As collectors, we just need to be able to let some go sometimes. Now, if it's a, if it's a real important piece, like, you know, I'm building the name Howard Chuck from the cup. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they're all one of one. So if, and I'm only missing one letter still, if that letter comes up and I miss it and it's gone, I'm now all of a sudden I'm contacting the seller. I'm begging him to put me in touch with his buyer. And then I'm going to offer an obscene amount of money just to get that one mm-hmm. card that I know I'll never get my money out of because I'm the highest buyer, the highest payer of it for certain. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that speaks not just being outbid, but even just missing a card or forgetting to bid, or you go to bid and your phone rings and you can't bid or whatever it is. Lots of re- lots of ways that can happen. A few more comments, Carlos, have trickled yep. in. Yep. Rod says, what a great subset this could be. I think uh, Rod's speaking about the uh, the Indigenous card set that we were talking I think about. It's, I think the design, the proposed design I saw, I thought was a pretty good design. 
I, I thought, thought it, so was, too. I, it looked pretty nice. The, the, I got some of the significance. I caught part, the the game was closing in on its conclusion. I think when they were explaining the logo, but I thought the I thought the logo actually looked really cool, and yeah. I thought it was great that there was meaning behind it. It wasn't an accident. I thought that was very good. Of yeah. course, yeah. What's the so the the stars are up three? Yeah, I knew Dallas was going to beat Vegas. They're up three to one now in the mm-hmm. series. So one more game, yeah. and but they done. were they were comfortably outshot, and I was kind of like tensely watching on the other screen. I, I was like, I just noticed that man, like. Kudobin has been just a star throughout. Well, as, you, like, as you know, Jeremy, you oftentimes want to rely on your playoff life on a 34-year-old journeyman goaltender. That that gives, fills you with comfort. It fills yeah, you, especially yeah. when your team is getting horrifically outshot. Well, hey, man, he's he is stepping up for sure. Brett Miles, back for the after hours evening evening hearing name tonight exciting yeah that was that was uh good stuff coming there good stuff coming legion says has anyone else seen the leak 2021 exquisite sheets on alpha investments video the ones with alexis on them i haven't heard anyone talking about them it's driving me nuts that no one's mentioned legion that is news to me i'm surprised that they would even have i, I can't believe that it's real because would they already be thinking about exquisite cards when they're still thinking about the series one uh let's call it young gun card Mm-hmm. that could be uh could be some sort of a uh, fake news but maybe not it's hard but to no, say it's hard I've to say right no- now i've heard nothing of it legion mm-hmm. brett miles bidding your max and losing out clear conscience love it yeah that's it i saw that comment and i thought it was really good one. you're 100 right at this yeah. stage at this stage if you've been collecting long enough you try you do your best and if you miss out you know what i i got i got five thousand other cards that i'm missing and i got i got work to do and there's five thousand more coming yeah Brian says, so good to know that Carlos is not an Android and can squeeze a tear if he has to. Oh, those PowerPoint decks, man. Those PowerPoint decks. You know, Brian, I'll believe it when I see that tear, then I'll believe (laughs) it. Until now, I'm thinking Android. Wait wait until we see those sales figures, Jeremy. Wait until we see those pie charts. Yeah. It's very emotional. Very emotional. (laughs) Very emotional. You're hilarious, Carlos. What does Chris say? Jeremy, what would you do if hockey card heaven over on Com C gets that last Howard check letter? I, I, I'd pay him. I'd pay him. What, what, what could I do? Ooh, I'd, I'd nice. pay him. I'd pay him. Footy cards from Melbourne, Australia. Love Good it. afternoon to you too, sir. Nice to have you. Very nice. That's that's what's just, that's one of the cool things about this whole thing. This these whole this whole YouTube world is that it's truly international. So Glad but al- but also we have discussed on the off off after after hours footy cards. It has come up. It has come it has up. Come up. It, so for those of you who wonder what Carlos might be referring to, so last was it last Saturday, Carlos? It must have been. So. La- I think so. Yeah. It was last Saturday. We had uh, I had the episode. Uh, who was the guest last Saturday? It was. Was it after Brian's? It was after. Well, Brian was the after hours mm-hmm. last Saturday. I have it written down here somewhere. Last Saturday was. Uh, it was Bobby Burrell. Oh, right, Bobby. You're right. right. It was Bobby Burrell. And then after Brian, after Bobby, Brian Palmer came on for After Hours. Mm-hmm. And then and then me and you, I don't know, were we on in the studio or maybe we were just in Facebook Facebook video chat or something? It was, but, yeah, I was like Facebook video. Yeah. Carlos and I then had a video, just a private video chat for like two more hours. We went, it was like. But you guys missed out because if I had recorded, it was a symposium on hobby content ethics. Like some of the best content is not being recorded. Well, don't tease them because it's lost <laughs> forever now. That was, that was but so we, we were joking that that was the after after hours uh, episode. And what, what a what a long day for me of talking hobby um, on video. But that was fun. Peter says, after Vegas beat out the Jets in the conference final, I will hold a grudge forever. Go Dallas. Love it. 
Uh, yeah, and you know what? Dallas, uh, Dallas beat my Flames, but uh, they deserve to. And I think Dallas is looking super good. And I think between them and Tampa Bay, it's probably going to be a toss-up. I I'm need up. a Stanley Cup final in the HD era, Jeremy. When the team won last, it was 1999. HD was not invented. It wasn't there. there. It wasn't ready. I need to see high-definition Stanley Cup final with my team in it. Just I to see the minute. I think you're going to see it, man. And I'm calling Tampa to, to beat the Islanders over there. And, you know, uh, sorry to the mayor of Canada. but I was uh, going to say, somewhere off in the distance, you're about to get disowned from Canada. I know, I know. Rich Perone is not going to like it. But, hey, I'm just calling what I think. And uh, But that said, I'm actually hoping for the Islanders because of my buddy Rich Perone, also known as the mayor of Canada. What does Chris say? Amounts of shots don't matter in PDB's system. Golden Knights fans are finding out why the Sharks fans screamed for Peter DeBoer's head for a few few years after he got fired. Yeah. Eric seems like having Josh Tomlin start a World Series game. <laughs> and I get a whole series of it. It's great. You do, you Every do. single well, game. You're getting all playoffs of it. Peter Chow, the best thing about bidding your max is when you win it with 20% of your top number, they will never know. Okay, let's I want to say something about that because that that happens to me all the time because yeah. if there's a card I really want. I'll put in a bid that it's like I'll, I'll be okay if I pay it but I'd rather not. And it happened to me not too long ago to the scale of like, I basically put in a bit of $600 when the card was at 250. And I think I won it for $400. And I felt like, Hey, I'm up $200. I'm already ahead $200 on this card. I don't know if that's a, if that's a, a smart way to look at it or a logical way, but it's certainly an emotional way and it feels right to me. So I'm going to stick with it. There you go. Legion, it's real. They were uncut sheets used as spacers in Magic the Gathering pelleted products, probably from the printer. And so now we're mixing exquisite, we're mixing exquisite Lafreniere cards with Magic the Gathering. I'm confused. I'm confused. Joe says Carlos is awesome. I wondered how long he prepared for the card ladder episode with Chris. Felt like a cranky professor grilling a PhD candidate in a dissertation defense. Now, before you jump in, Carlos, mm -hmm. I, I watched that too, Joe. Mm -hmm. And I loved that episode. I thought it was great. And then if you notice, Carlos had another one with Josh from C Cardboard Chronicles and Card Ladder. And it was the, it was almost, I've never seen, and I've seen a lot of Josh's content. I've never seen him in that sort of persona, if you will, where he was, it, it almost seemed to me like Josh felt like he was having a conversation with someone of his intel of his equal intelligence. Mm -hmm. And I don't say that in any negative way. I think yeah. Josh is a highly intelligent man, mm -hmm. very smart, probably smarter than he can even speak to, to us. Yeah, you he's know. a smart guy. He has to be smart to be the developer on an app that's popular right now. You have to be right? yeah, you have, to have some brains going. V but smart and just not in like the coding world he he sees he sees the games that he's a fan of he sees the hobby mm -hmm. he's got unique perspectives and he's influential in the hobby um but so so it was just it was neat to see him at that in that sort of a, an exchange with you carlos because again i really it, it seemed like he he almost was like a different person and that he was super comfortable talking to you because I think he was felt like, hey, this guy knows what I'm saying, no matter what I'm saying, he's going to understand it. So that's a, that's a shout out to you, Carlos, for your level of intelligence as well, which I think is 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 high. Also, yeah. I mean, you you uh, you're well spoken, and yeah, uh, I, I appreciate that. But let me let me give Joe a little insight on that one because since he asked the question, I want to help him. So one thing, Joe, is that I try. So what Jeremy's referring to, both of those episodes, I tried very hard to make sure those episodes didn't feel like any other interviews or anything they'd done. 
because they've done a lot of interviews on podcasts and YouTube channels. And Josh has his own YouTube channel where he does his own interviews and whatever. Um, to answer your question, I did prepare. Yes. Not as much as you'd think. I'm, I'm one of those people that people hate that doesn't have to study very much for the final exam. It just shows up and does what it needs to do. Um, I also ignored my uh, teachers, much to their frustration. Because um, you were smarter than them? Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I'll give you a story in, in a little later. Uh, but I have a good story about exactly how that played out. But no, I did still read it. My, my time was focused on looking at the card ladder app itself. What I did is I tried to break it down the same way I would break down any other piece of software that I have to do. Because for my current job, I trained myself on how to use that tool with no documentation and nobody else to do anything. And I'm the system administrator for it. I do the configurations on it. I taught myself how to do it in two weeks. And then I started telling the app developers how their stuff works. <laughs> that's my, but that's what I do. So I have to, tr so I treated it the same way. But in this case, in that case, I was able to see it from the inside. From Card Ladder, I don't have access to the inside. So I had to take a really deep dive. So when I went over it with Chris, I went over a tooth, you know, with a fine tooth comb because I'm like, look, man, I've broken this thing down because nobody has ever asked you this question and nobody else will because no one is going to, is going to waste your time. It takes too much. You either have to know what you're doing or it takes a ton of time. And then to bring you on and then kind of get you to answer the questions I want you to get, get answers from that, that was what made the Chris thing work. And then with the Josh thing, I took a different approach. I just didn't prepare him. I said, look, man, I'm going to talk to you about the hobby. You don't know where I'm going. And that's half the fun. So I, that's kind of where uh, Jeremy and I will take two different approaches. By the way, both work. They're complementary in the way they do it because prepping your, uh, prepping your guests is good because then you'll get them to think about the answer a little bit. I like to kind of, let me challenge you. I felt like he was smart enough. I'm like, if I put you off the cuff a little bit, you're going to say something a little bit interesting. And then we can, I can riff off of that. I might've had three bullet points that I ran for the whole 80 minutes. And after, and that three bullet points took us 80 minutes and we could have kept going. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was excellent, Carlos. I mean, I've, I've seen other people interview both of those guys, uh, both Chris and Josh about card ladder, but nobody got the information out of them that you did. Uh, it was, it was, it was just, it was great. And he has a personality. Like if you, if you allow him to get in his element and let him go a little bit, because, because Amit actually said the exact same thing to me. He was like, he was like, I, I didn't realize he had that kind of personality. It's like, it's, it's there, but you have to, you have to put him in a position like, look, dude, I'm going to have a follow-up question. So give me some, so let's go. Let's see what you got. Yeah. It's a it was a challenge. And I think he enjoyed the challenge and I enjoyed the challenge of challenging him. And I think he recognized that, that you could, uh, you were, uh, you were coming from a perspective and a, a level, a knowledge level where you could actually, you could challenge him. So that, that was great stuff. Yamwax writes, Jeremy, I enjoyed catching your appearance on Hobby Hotline this morning. Thank you, Yam. Yeah, that was, that was fun. I got to say, I, I, I left that, that seven, eight, 10 minutes, however long I was on there, I left it. Uh, very, very happy that I that I clicked the button and went on because I wasn't sure that I was going to. And um, again, it was uh, a good group of guys. They were very welcoming to me. And, um, uh, you know, as cheesy as it sounds, I'm, I'm going to make friends with these guys. And uh, that's always a, a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yam says, Josh sees around corners, which is interesting because I think what you're saying is, you know, um, being sort of ahead of the curve, ahead of the trend in certain things. And, you know, he started talking about... Um, certain fan fantasy football long before long, I don't know how about lo how long before other hobbyists were but now you know it, it's it's caught on but he's talked about it and he's put it on Instagram so people mm -hmm. are are seeing it and you know people trust him and they they see he's been successful in cards so they're following his lead um 
but I want to, you know, seeing around corners is one of the fun things that we can do in the hobby is try and pick a trend out that may not be happening quite yet. And what I, all of the, uh, you know, obviously I'm a hockey guy first and many of the viewers are too, you know, I think that's a trend itself that could be still could catch on more than it already has uh, with other with the the collectors, the hobbyists that that focus more specifically on other sports or more, you know, put more of their time and money into, say, basketball, baseball or football. I can see some of them coming over to hockey because of just the, the way the hobby's trending in general right now. People are looking for things to get ahead of. And hockey is one of them, just like soccer was one of them until not too recently. And That's maybe- the exact example I would use because, yeah. um, and and Josh and I had that part of that conversation was just that because it's not that soccer's not popular. It is an extraordinarily popular sport, but it was an extraordinarily popular sport five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, the hobby wasn't there. The cards weren't selling like that. North America suddenly decided the soccer was interesting during the pandemic and those prices started shooting up. And there's nothing behind it other than the fact they didn't discover soccer. <laughs> they didn't just realize soccer existed. It's been no. around a while. So, but if they get interested in hockey in a similar manner, there is uh, the supply is a supply. And if the demand suddenly bumps up, you're going to see what you're going to see. Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, Legion just said he sent me the uh, the link via email. I guess that's to this exquisite uh, this exquisite Lafreniere. I'm just wondering where. I don't, I'm checking emails. What email did you, would you have sent that to? And was it the sports cards live one? Because that's the only one I've ever publicized, but i um, curious to know which, uh, which email that went to, and I'll definitely check it out. Um, so let's see what we talked about. Carlin's we talked about name. So you are doing a live stream tomorrow night with a gentleman, a good friend of mine, who's, actually been on two episodes of sports cards live he was on episodes i believe it was 20 20 and 21 he yeah, they were consecutive yeah yeah amit acharya also known as 99 goals or titan hockey stick he came on with me uh yeah episode 20 episode 20 for the expo virtual expo preview and then he came on with me again for episode 21 for the virtual expo recap mm-hmm. one was a wednesday one was a saturday i believe and uh so you uh you've been teasing on your channel carlos lately that you know you do you do your mail videos you're you've done a couple of live streams you have some more live streams potentially in the works mm-hmm. how did it come tell, tell me how did it come about to get a meet to join you and uh what do you have planned for uh, to do with him tomorrow on the show sure so there's two parts to it so first part is i was talking to meet about it a couple of weeks ago already uh, we we've been at least i broached him with the idea of doing a live stream um, and then I think he's building a state-of-the-art studio. So think like what Sportsnet has. Uh, he's uh, This is what I've been promised. So if, if it falls short, that's the meat's fault. Um, but, you know, he's going to have all the lights, HD camera. I think he's going to have 4D. He might he skip past 3D into 4D. And that's holograms. So he's going to be chatting by, with himself via hologram. It's going to be interesting. Um, but, no, he was basically getting kind of his setup ready uh, yeah. because um, – we, I teased him a little bit about it because he was very proud of his webcam that he picked up uh, because he wanted to upgrade his, he, he wanted to look, to look better and which is, which is fine. That's fair. Um, and I said, no pro-. And my, my answer was like, yeah, no pressure. That's fine. You let me know when you're comfortable and you're good with it. And then we'll, we'll set something up because one thing I don't have a set day that I do these live streams on. I've been pretty flexible to, to my guests. It's like, look, that's why I had Josh on like in the middle of the afternoon on a Friday. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's, it's not a normal time. Prime time would have been better, but it's, 
it's the time that I could get them on that they'd be comfortable to sit down. And it still and turned they, out the way I wanted. And they live they they live on in our in our YouTube archives anyway. Mm-hmm. So you know, which is why we're talking about it tonight. And I I'm encouraging people like if you haven't seen it yet, go mm-hmm. to Carlos's channel and watch the video with Josh. Watch the video with Chris if you're interested in card ladder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Continue. No, and uh, and that and that's valid, and that's that's part of the reason why I'm okay with it because it's like okay, well, ideally, of course, you want to have it in prime time where the maximum amount of people can see it, the maximum of people can check it out live. That's the best because then you can interact with the chat, do kind of what you do. It's nice to have appointment viewing. You know, on this day at this time, it is. Ideally, that would be great, but I also don't want to impose it on the guests since a lot of times I'm just asking them for a favor, and a yeah. lot of times I'm cold calling. I mean, at least I know. So it's not a cold call, but at the same time, I was like, look, man, you got kids, you got stuff to going on. Just tell me when you're comfortable and we'll make it happen that way. So that's why the, the date and time kind of worked out. I'm pretty flexible as long as nobody asked me to do something in the middle of the workday. My employer would probably frown upon that. Yeah. Aside from that, I'm pretty flexible. <laughs> fair, fair. So what, what do you guys have an agenda? Do you have topics built? I don't want to, I don't want any spoilers. I'm just well, I, You already know I, I carefully meticulously plan out with detailed bullet point notes. No, you, no, uh, no, Amit and I basically chatted on the phone for an hour uh, the other day. And after he was done, he was like, wait a minute, have we been talking for an hour? I was like, yeah, buddy. While he was doing that, I was making cold brew coffee while we were talking. I had him on speakerphone. Yeah. Um, but the <laughs> but then I said, yeah, man, because he was worried. He was trying to figure out the same thing. He was like, well, what are we going to talk about? I was like, we're going to talk about the hobby, buddy. You've got plenty to talk about. I promise. Comsi is going to be a part of the conversation because he is very well versed. And he, yeah. so I'll, I'll say that, that for sure. Uh, the rest of it, we're pretty flexible because there's a lot of interesting topics. Yeah. That's why I say like the reason there's so much room for so much content is I can have a show almost every day of the week and not hit the same topic twice and have plenty to talk about. You, well, Carlos, you you like to talk. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and you're a fast talker, but and and I but you somehow stay on you stay ahead of your thoughts very efficiently. Um so you're going to do the show with him mm-hmm. tomorrow night. Do you have further guests lined up for your show for more uh, more live streams or some that you're just working on right now? I basically wing it. I, yeah. I get I, I wake up in the morning. I'm like, you know, it'd be kind of cool to reach out to so-and-so. And See, I, I wish I could wing it. The schedule <laughs> I have of Wednesdays and Saturdays, it's getting to the point now where it's mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, it's like I kind of book my guests a month in advance and then that month goes by. I get to the week before. It's like, uh-oh. I've got all these openings, you know, I got to, got to, got to book more guests. And, mm. uh, but you know, it's, it's been working out for me, for me. I think, the well. fact, I think the fact you have the scheduling though, makes that kind of a necessity. You do need, you do uh, kind of want to think a little bit ahead. So I'll use the Josh one as an example, the Josh one. I messaged him on Instagram. I had already laid the groundwork a little bit because I had said, Hey, you know what? Chris had come on at some point. I'd like to have you on. And he goes, yeah, sure. No problem. Sounds good. I let it go for a couple of weeks because I was doing some other stuff and other videos and things. And then I said, Hey man, you know what? Some interesting stuff has been going on. I think it's time to have the conversation. This was on Wednesday night, literally night into Thursday morning. So I said, when do you want to do it? We go back and forth. Uh, how about Friday afternoon? Cool. Done. Yeah. So, with it, so it's pretty quick notice. Um, if they have the availability, that's why the flexibility helps. Although, like I said, if I could do it on a scheduled time period, it would be so hard though to get guests because you do have to kind of get them then to bend to your schedule. Yeah. And that does tend to get a little tricky. It does. I've, I've been very fortunate though. The guests have all been very willing to either stay up late if mm-hmm. they're on the East coast yep. or start early. Even Chris Carlin tonight, mm-hmm. you know, his wife took the kids out to a movie that that worked out really well. Um, so I want to show you, I, I've, I've really only had two cards come in this week that I'm, that I'm sharing. I've had a few tops project 2020s come in, but everyone knows what those look like, or you can go to their website and see. 
Sure. But two two cards have come in, and one of them I think you might be somewhat interested in because mm -hmm. uh, it's a Dallas Stars card, and I know that you're a Dallas Stars fan, mm -hmm. which is great. So you ready? Two cards, only two cards. Last Saturday I had like 30 to show because I had a big Com C order. But two cards tonight. I'll show the Dallas card first. So I've spoken to this before. I don't think I've. I don't think I showed. No, I showed this on Hobby Hotline today. That's what I did. Yeah, I showed it on Hobby Hotline. So Yam, if you're still out there, you've seen this card this morning. But uh, Carlos Opichi Platinum. You know, there's mm -hmm. all the parallels. Yep, with the parallels. The, the one of one parallels are called Golden Treasure. Golden Treasures. Nice. Tyler Sagan, Opichi Platinum, 2018-19 Golden Treasures. I've got about six of these from this year. This is the year I like the most. I think I've got about six of them now. And was that and on I, eBay or a different venue? This was on eBay. It was a buy it now or best offer. You know, of course, I paid more than I wanted to. I probably would have won. I, I don't know what this card is worth. I guess it's worth what I just well, paid. The problem, the problem is that a one. That's, that is the fundamental problem with a one of one. Um, because the Jamie Benn Golden Treasures is also on eBay. Is if it? You, if you want to overpay for it, yeah. Yeah, I've got what, it on my watch list. What's the ask? 300? Uh, the ask is 400, I believe. 400. Yes, I believe that's right. And I can I can verify that, but I've got it here. Yeah, check it out. While you're yeah. checking it, the ask on this, I think was I think it was 250 or $200. And I mm -hmm. offered like 75 and it got rejected. And I offered 80, rejected. Mm -hmm. And then I offered 100 and it, and it wasn't rejected. And then he came back at like 150 and I came back at $102.50. Yeah. And he came back at 120, and then I came back at 105, and he came back at 115 or 110. And I just, anyway, it was like 110 bucks, which is probably more than, you know, I'll get for it eventually. But I just think these are super cool cards. I love, I love the Golden Treasures look. For the I second, love. for the second, I like that price. I think that's fair. And like I said, yeah. for comparison, uh, the 1920 uh, Platinum Golden Treasure Jamie Ben right now, 400 US. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. that's not even in the ballpark. No, that's I have great. it on the watch list. It's I, I'm interested. I would be interested at the right price, but four hundred dollars US is not the right price. It is not. No, it is not. It is not. Yeah, no, it is not. I think I think these cards, if you're if you're a semi star kind of player like a Sagan, right around a hundred bucks is fair. If you're a superstar, up to the two hundred dollar mark, and then if you're like an Ovechkin or a Crosby, I can see it going a bit higher than that even. But I was happy. I love the card. I think it's beautiful. The gold, the golden tre the gold within the golden treasures goes really nice with the the green and the jersey. I like mm -hmm. that card. The second card I got, this is a set that I'm kind of loosely picking away at. It's from 1819 Upper Deck Series One Hockey, mm -hmm. and these are super tough to find. It's the 25 under 25 set, so 25 players that are under 25 years old, and this okay. is the patch, the patch version out of 10. Oh, okay. So there's a, there's a base card with just no memorabilia. There's a jersey card. I'm not even sure if those are numbered. And then there's these patches out of 10. This is the Austin Matthews. And uh, like there's 25 in the set. I think I have six or seven now only. Mm -hmm. I'll probably never finish it, and it's not something I've really like scoured the, the earth for, but... As they come up and the the price is fair, I, I pick those up. So if anybody has any of these, twenty five under twenty five from eighteen nineteen Upper Deck Series One Hockey, this is the patch variation out of ten. They often have edge issues. If you if you look at the bottom there, you can see there's a lot of white showing on the edge. That's just the way they are. I don't. I have. Ne I've really never seen one that doesn't have edge issues some, somewhere. I don't know why it is, but it with is the, what with it the is. dark colors. It's very hard not to get chipping. It's, it it's is. A, but but you know, you, you we we see we see cards with dark with dark borders that 
come out without that chipping. I've, I've several times. This mm -hmm. these are just particularly notorious for having some it, it just light, light chipping along along one or two of the edges. But you know what? I don't even care. Like it's still still a cool card. I'm still happy to have it. Mm -hmm. I like the theme of it. So pretty cool there. What is a few comments? A few comments here. Let's see what you guys are saying. Chris says go for the set. Well, I'll go. Which set, Chris? The golden, the golden treasure set. You say, man, no way. That that's well, that's impossible. But hey, it would be fun to do that if I could. Uh, Legion says we miss Pabs here in San Jose. Hope you guys appreciate him in Dallas. Pavelski. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's a. Uh, I, I thought that I thought that was the downfall of the San Jose Sharks this year was that trading away really a heart and soul kind of guy and a great player too like you you need that combination of players it's it's one of those things where you I I found it very difficult to kind of um, fall in love with some of the teams that Dallas has put together the last couple of years uh, there was that team in 2015 that almost got that almost got to the Western Conference Finals they were good but they had bad goaltending that's why I'm like mortified when when I see like. Uh, like they're getting there, but they're getting there purely on grit and like duct tape and super glue. And it's, well, it's like, oh my and, goodness. And defense, right? Heiskanen yeah. and Klingberg are yeah. both amazing defensemen, yeah. offensive defensemen. Heiskanen is like a, he's a, he's a game controller. Like he's, I think he's one of the best defensemen in the league right now. If not, it's a good, it's a good luxury to have considering between the pipes, I, I, I have concerns. You do, but the guys, the guys, maybe he's just overperforming. Kudobin looks like tonight he stopped 31 shots on 30. Or on in the playoffs, every couple of years, you get a guy like that. You know what? I will take it. I will take it happily. Yeah. Yeah. But so Chris, Chris is saying here that the Sharks lost a whole lot more than Pavelski combined with injuries and a stubborn coach results in what you saw. Yes. Mm -hmm. But I think the biggest problem with what they did is they traded away Pavelski in order to free up cap space to be able to sign Eric Carlson. Well, Eric Carl for eight years at like seventy-two million or whatever they paid him more, yeah. eighty-four million, like ten like million a year. Like that's a lot, yeah. That that just is going to hand. That's that's the one of the worst signings I've seen in so long. Eric Carlson is not on the upswing of his career. He's now got injury issues. I mean, that was just a Doug Wilson messed that up badly, and I think that's going to cost him his job one way or another. If it hasn't yet, he's still there, right? Doug Wilson. I, I haven't heard he, anything about it. Yeah, no, I think he's still there. That's going to have to cost him his job. I, I think anyway. Legion, those are tough. Jeremy, nice pickup. Thank you, Legion. Now I don't, I don't know which card you're speaking of, Legion. Whether it's the the Sagan Golden Treasures or the uh, the the Austin. Well, they're Nazi. technically both tough pickups, Jeremy. I, that's why I'm wondering which which one which one. Uh, how about you? You got any cards to show that came in recently? I can. Yeah, yeah, I can. So first, uh, first, like this is one of the. Uh, this is one of the. Go ahead. Before you do, yeah. He wasn't traded. He was a free agent, but he could have. They didn't sign him themselves. So mm -hmm. my bad yeah. on the technical, but yeah. it's like they could the have signed. Were him. Allocated. The dollars were allocated. The dollars were allocated very deliberately away from Pavelski mm -hmm. and onto Eric Carlson. Yeah, for sure. So this is one of the ones that was a result of not winning the uh, of not winning the shield. So we've got the. This was on the uh, on the Instagram. You got the poo holes, and the thing is, I've been I'm an advocate not only of the player but also of having the numbered ones. Having yeah. something where there is a cap to the to the actual production, that's that's a big thing because if you if you look for some of those guys, even the Hall of Fame guys, and it's an unlimited production, it's it's not a bad thing. If you're a collector, get one yeah. because these are because these are quality all timers. But it's like 
you and everybody and their brother is going to have one when the time comes. If if your intention is to someday down the road flip it, it's like, yeah, you and the, your next door neighbor and their cousin and their dog has one and like it gets, it gets tough to do. So that was, that was kind of a fun one that I got. And I will, uh, once it comes in, I'll, I'll show it. But right now this is the, uh, this is, these are my stature. This is kind of the stature that I have going on. And right now this is the rainbow that I already had. So I'll do that. All Medanos. So, so all the Medanos. Yep. And then you've got the uh, the two stature. This is the the portrait. Yeah. So those ones. There's a one of one of this. That's on route. Cool. Very and once nice. that's done, that'll be a completed rainbow of that. And then that just leaves the century momentous, which is almost done minus one card. Very nice. Very nice. So, so for a new issue to be this close to done this soon is actually uh, almost a record for me. Well, and that that just speaks to the success of the product in that it's being broken. It must yeah. be being widely broken. Yeah. So I caught, I, I'm trying to remember what YouTube channel I was watching just the other day. Um, it might have been Filmington speaking about, did you see, you you subscribed to Filmington? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's one of my favorites. I like a lot of the stuff he used to, I like that he talks analytically about it. I'm well, a big fan yeah. of when someone talks it through. Well, what you say about me talking is like, yeah, but I'm talking for a purpose. No, I'm not just are. talking to hear my own voice. No, no. There's, you're, you're, I'm trying you're, to make forming, a point. you're forming a case. You're forming an argument and you're, you're getting to something. And, and you often, you often go off on tangents, Carlos, but you leave yourself breadcrumbs that you always know where you came from. Whereas myself, I can talk, go off on tangents and then like, oh crap, what, where was I? What was I, what yeah. was I talking about at the beginning? And then I'm like, Hey, Carlos, what was I talking about? But most of anyway, the things are for a so, purpose to get us back to where we started. So, so this time I actually know where I was coming from. So he was, I think it was Filmington and he did put out a video not too long ago where it was like 10 thoughts, 10 topics I'm going to talk about. And it was like 12 or something like that. But yeah, 12, I know what you're 12 topics, whichever it was. And one, of, I think it was one of the late last topics. He was talking about how the, I don't know if it was him or not. I, I got I got to think about it. But anyway, whoever it was, was talking about, they were looking at the Juan Soto and the, the Acuna, basically the tops, the basic tops paper rookie card. And they were looking at the population in PSA 10s mm -hmm. and comparing it to the population of PSA 10s of other major rookie cards like whether it was e e as simple as a kobe bryant tops chrome or a sydney crosby young guns right they were making these comparisons between cards of 2019 oh wait a second this person was breaking down the eras he basically broke down and started a new era that started in 2019 god i wish i could remember which channel this was okay but the purpose of the whole thing was that you know because it speaks to what you were saying about the uh, the poo holes with the numbering on it, mm -hmm. that a lot of these cards that are coming out today, the amount of copies being graded is more than we've seen to the point where it's very similar to what was happening in the early 1990s with overproduction, because there are more Zion Williamson prism rookies graded. Mm -hmm. There's more Sotos, there's more Acunas graded. Then, then there are guys like Chipper Jones or, you know, some of these early 90s guys that were part of the junk wax era with overproduction. So the the argument was, are we are we seeing similarities to the early uh, 90s, uh, the bust, the boom and then bust era or okay. 
or are we not? And I'm going to have to rack my brain or look at my watch videos to see which one it was because it was- Can I rebut, can I rebut that? Can I rebut that, that, process, that process? I think there's a discussion well, here. It's a good one. Go ahead. You, you can certainly rebut it, but you're not- re Yeah, you're yeah, not- No, I got you. I, yeah. I get you. I get you. It's, it, you're, you're presenting, though, the argument that they brought up in their, in their, in their content, which is fine. And I recognize I didn't do a great job because you kind of, I wasn't planning to talk about it, but you triggered something in my mind that made me think about it. And yeah. now I'm going to try and figure out who's- Ooh, spontaneity. Or... I love it. Fantastic. So let me kind of just yeah, talk to that please. because, because I've heard this in a couple of different places. So I'm not sure if I've seen the specific piece of content you're referring to, but I've definitely heard this argument and I get it and I understand it. But there's two factors that we kind of have to bear in mind. Number one, uh, people are more inclined to grade their cards now than they would have in the past. Like Chipper Jones, one of his rookie cards is 1991 tops. Uh, they might still be printing it behind my house. Like yeah. if you want more PSA 10s, we can get you some. You know, hang out for an hour and I'll get you some. But um, it wasn't worth enough money for the longest time to get to grade them. So, and there's still unopened boxes out there, like cases upon cases upon cases. So to compare it to the 90s, no. The, where I could see an argument being made, a legitimate one, is I think there are less collectors today than there were in the 90s. Because in the 90s, there was just, it, it, it got critical mass. It got so many people into it that were involved in the hobby that it, you could go to the convenience store. It's, it's the opposite of today. Today, you can't get retail because people are hoarding it. But back in the day, they could have tried to hoard it, but it's like, are you going to hoard it at the convenience store? Are you going to hoard it at the, you know, at the uh, Walmart? Are you going to hoard it at the Target? Are you going to hoard it at, because guess what? As soon as you do that, they're going to bring out 50 more cases yeah, and a hundred more cases and a thousand more cases. And then your dealer has a hundred cases. That was the nineties overproduction era. It's true. We're nowhere close to that, but we you're also right. have less collectors. So it kind of balances out. It, you're, you're, what you're trying to figure out is if the ratio is similar, that's a different conversation. So I found the video. It was okay. not right. it, apologies to Filmington. It was not mm -hmm. Filmington's video. Yeah. It was it was Tyler Short. The Are name rings a bell. Does he do a lot of hobby content? Yeah, yeah, he right. does. He's okay. uh yeah, he does. He's got a great here. I'll just quickly share my screen to show everybody else because um I was I'll say I was really impressed with this guy's video, and I've seen a few of his videos before. So here's his channel. Okay, interesting. Yeah, and it's the video. Um, it's this one here, collapse of the mar of the '80s market. Are we re are we repeating? Now, I don't I don't recall if he really makes a conclusion on that and says that we are or we aren't. But I'll tell you, Carlos, you're gonna you're gonna like this video. It's 27, 28 minutes long, because he's it's not just spitballing. The guy's actually got logic into in what he's saying. So. I think this this was this video uh, down here, guys. Collapse of the '80s market. Are we repeating? Um, episode sixty-one. His channel is simply call, called Tyler Short. I, I recommend watching it. I thought it was excellent. He just did a great job. So yeah. So two things. I knew I had seen it before. So if you scroll down, the video right before that, where he, where he basically says worst PSA order of all time. I've seen that video. Okay, and now the other one is on my watch list. I'll I'll check that out. Yeah, check it out, and I recommend it for anybody else watching right now. Um, he's he he's quickly become uh, one of my top favorite uh, YouTube uh, shows, hmm. YouTube channels. I like anybody, and this is maybe a good maybe a good point to make here. Um, if any of you have ever seen any of my content, sometimes I'll it'll it'll it may come off like I'm like I'm a, like I'm a know it all, or I'm trying to prescribe something to you, and hopefully it doesn't because I don't want to say I don't want to. I'm not the final word on anything. I have an opinion, but it is an informed opinion. And hopefully I present it to you. And then if you don't agree with me, I love that too. 
Because well, if you don't agree with me, then tell me why. Yeah. That's all Carlos, I want. Here's the thing, man. You, people that people like, okay, I'm just going to say it. It's just take it forward. People like you. And what I mean is people who speak with authority and confidence in what they're saying can oftentimes be, um, I find can be, you know, you can just get annoyed with them because they don't, they seem smug. I think that might be the word. Some people notice I am smug, but please continue. But you, you, you're, you, you, you come off, you come off with some smugness, but you do it in a, in, in just like a, a way that isn't offensive or doesn't put other people down or, you know, you, 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 you just have a way take it about as lighthearted, it. guys. I'm in on the joke. Take it as lighthearted because I don't take myself that seriously. You should probably know that I don't take myself that seriously. Yeah, no, but you, you, you're you're a smart guy. I mean, I, I say that, I say that with with just genuinely say that you're you're a smart guy. Um, I recognize that you're you're smarter than me. I think I'm a decently smart guy. You're definitely smarter than I am, and you're, you're a quick thinker. And uh, you you. Even the way you challenged Chris and Josh from Card Ladder on on, on both of them, and they're two very intelligent guys, um, but you did it. Yet they both responded well to you. They didn't take offense to it or try and one up you. There's no one upping going on. You're not a one upper. You're not someone who says it and then basically is like, ah, bugger off. You're open to discussion. Some some people that I know, you know, come across as a bit of a know it all. Let's say, but they do it in a way that is endearing. You do it in with an endearing way. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not, it's not about let's compliment Carlos tonight. Oh no, I, I thought this was the whole point this of this show. I, I was told that it was just <laughs> praise me. There, praise that was me. The point. there you go. There you go in an endearing way. Yeah. Uh, a couple comments that have rolled in and go let's just it. see what, what we have here. Um, the Matthew sick card. Yes, thank you, Legion. I showed it, I showed it. Brian says, stop, Carlos. I love those cards so much. I'm going to cry. Really nice, though. Stature, Legion, Stature is a great product. Yeah, yeah. I, I like it. I like it for what it is. I think the parallels are fair. The key, there were five of them. I yeah. thought that was fair. And the most limited one was out of 15, which is reasonable. That's reasonable. not, like, ridiculous. It, it, it was attainable. It was doable. Yeah. For sure. I, for I've seen sure. worse. Chris West managed to knock off all the Marcus Sorensen MVP other than the base already. Well, leave the easiest to last, cool. Chris. That that makes sense to me. That's all right. Legion says there's definitely parallels from the previous mark. Oh, here we. So there's the there's the conversation that we were starting on, and then I got us off track. That's fine. In terms of parallel, there I agree, Legion. There's definitely there 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 is always anytime there's an there's a sudden inflation in a short period of time in prices, you're going to see parallels. You're not wrong. You're you're hundred. There's hundred percent valid. And the reason why I'm always happy to do the debate is because guess what? There is a case to be made. There's a strong case to be made for what you're saying. A very strong case. And I'm happy to hear it because you're not wrong. That's why I say, that's why I said the question we're asking is not whether there's more popularity in a suddenly. The question is, is the proportion work? Because yes, they're producing more product, but they're also they're also less collectors than there were back then. So has it skewed so far that every man, woman, and child has five cards? If the answer is yes, then yeah, we're there. Because that's where we were in the 90s. Everybody could have had five of everything. We're not, early, we're not there yet. I lived through the early 90s. I'm sure many of you did too. You too, Carlos. I had a card shop in Winnipeg from 1991 to 94, I believe. I believe we stopped in 94. And it was like, that's it was just a hole-in-the-wall store. But we were busy people. I mean, people that I knew just from other areas of my life were coming in and buying cards. It's like mm -hmm. 
you don't collect cards. Well, yeah, everybody doesn't everybody collect cards. I mean, I did a giveaway. It was for a Brett Hall rookie card. Mm -hmm. It was like for every $10 you spent, you got one entry. Okay. We probably had, gosh, a thousand entries into that thing. It was, it was crazy. There were, it was just back in those days, like you say, Carl's, everybody collected mm -hmm. everybody. Like didn't matter who you were. It was crazy. We're not there yet. That That's going there. to be your indicator though. When everybody around you, if you randomly go out on the street right now and ask somebody if they collect cards and you get more than like random looks, if you get a lot of people like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I buy, I buy a bunch of this, this, and this, then that's when you should be kind of worried. That's when you should be like, it's time to sell. Yeah. Not everything, but it's definitely time to sell some stuff. And we're not we're not there yet, but where we are now is that people are approaching me just because they know I'm a card guy, and they're being like, "Hey, what's what was that card that just sold for like four million dollars?" So it's we may be in the early stages of it, like the very early stages of everybody and their and their dog collecting yeah. cards. But I don't know that we're ever that we're going to get there again because it's it's really price prohibitive to a lot of people to collect at the level that they would want to. Or back in the day, there was only one set of cards. Well, okay, in 1990, 91, there were four or five sets of cards for each sport, but that was it, four or five sets. Yeah. Now you've got 20, 30, and the the entry point is just so much higher for the cards that you know most people want. I know you can get the lower end, the the. Yeah. the two three dollar packs still but i was about to say that during the height of the 90s the other big piece is that outside of like upper deck there were almost no premium products everything was kind of like at the same level now yeah. what the secondary market did was a different conversation i'm talking about though the packs that you could buy were right around the same price today there's stuff that's super duper duper limited super expensive mosaic football right now is about a 700 a box product and it's a brand new product that just introduced 700 a box and what you're most of what you're getting is a couple autographs and some parallels some colored parallels that is yeah. what there's so if opg platinum to to put it into perspective if opg platinum comes out next year and is 600 a box and gives you basically the same product you should be asking questions yeah because that's basically what i'm just talking about yeah, that should yeah. frighten. But also, it means it also keeps the amount of people that can play that game lower. Yeah, because the manufacturer like we're going to get our cut, which means we're going to we're going to boost that price per box. For sure. No, well said, man. Well said. I agree completely with with all that. Chris asks a very interesting question that we all would like to know because that would give us an indication as to print runs. Is I wonder what percentage of these new rookies are being graded. I mean, I'm going to step in first, Carlos, and say. Yeah. I think it's more than ever before. I mm -hmm. think that's kind of obvious. And I'm going to throw out a number. I'm just going to think about it. I'm going to throw it. Now, I think because Beckett and PSA are so behind in their in their grading, um, and I think people are less likely to send in cards right now because they know that they can, might have to wait a year to get Can I ask back. one question that would impact this, though? One question right? that would directly impact this question? Yeah, yeah. Um, when he says percentage of new rookies... Are you talking about ones that are numbered or ones that have no numbering, like a Young Guns? Or are you talking about something that actually has some kind of a limit, even if it's a base card? I'm thinking about the unnumbered. Sure, that's fine. I'm th yeah, for me, I'm thinking of the commodity card, the, the Zion Williamson base prism. That's I just wanted to understand what we were answering yep. for. Yep. I just wanted to understand what we were answering for. Excellent to clarify, and that's where my that's what I that was my assumption that I didn't mm -hmm. uh, verbalize. But that's fine. So I'm going to say that you know once if. 
if the grading companies were caught up and they were they were turning cards around in their normally publicized turnaround times, mm-hmm. I would venture to guess that that number is very high, like well above 50% are being graded. I would venture to say somewhere in the 75% range are being graded or will be graded in time, like within within a year of coming out to the extent, by that I mean those that are actually cracked. Okay. The, the, those that, that are, are open, yeah, yeah, that are pulled. Yeah, that are open. And that's a yeah. high percent, right? Because you're talking retail, but it seems like retail is being snapped up by people that are sending off all their cards to Becky. You look at, you see yep. guys on Instagram showing stacks and stacks of Luca based prisms, stacks of Zion based prisms graded. Like it's, there's tons of them. Um, I don't want to, sp- we're already at the hour mark, Carlos, and I don't mm-hmm. want to go much longer just because I'm, I'm tired. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm curious. I, I throw out 75%. What were you thinking? If we're talking about unnumbered, I'm going to go like a 40, 40 to 45, still a high percentage, but I feel like there's more, there's more production than I think people give it credit for. So yes, there are tens of thousands that are going to end up graded, but I think there's probably a production run of like 50, 60, 70,000. Okay. So if you grade 20 or 30,000, you're still, you're, you're, you're getting close to that half point mark, but that still leaves a lot that are ungraded. Yeah. And Chris confirms he was talking about the general commodity rookies. Okay. Uh, back in time here, uh, Legion says if there's going to be any praise, it's not going to be for Carlos. It's going to be for name. Now I didn't see they're not going to be for Carlos. I was, I, para- I, exclusive. I was paraphrasing. I, I feel like you're putting words in the man's mouth. I feel like there's <laughs> enough room for praise for both of us. Like he did a thing. Yeah, yeah, good for him. Good for him and his community. That's nice. Wonderful. When, when he makes YouTube videos, we'll talk. Get out of here. Chris says, when will the market reach saturation point? Yeah, I mean... I don't think we're there yet. I think we're a ways away myself. I think there's going to be more and more new entrants coming in because, you know, as Ken Golden said, he thinks, and I know this is becoming a bit cliche. Ken Golden thinks that we're in the third inning of of a nine inning game. Um, I, I'm not in a position to necessarily disagree with him. I don't have the intelligence that he has in terms of who these buyers are, Mm -hmm. how many names he has on his, you know, he says he's got, I think he said, 50,000 or 500,000 people on his list. Must I believe 50. him. I have no reason not to believe him, no, but the no only thing not, I would push back with, go ahead. So I was just saying no reason not to believe him, mm-hmm. but does is he seeing the whole hobby? Is he seeing a true cross section of the hobby or is he just seeing the highest end of the hobby? Yes. Yeah. Uh, the, the answer, I think Chris poses an excellent question and it's the ultimate question, right? It's the question. Yeah. I actually think the answer to your question, Chris, will be the moment that we get a real correction. You're going to get the answer to your question because some of the folks that are entering are are standing on quicksand. It's not solid ground. They're not. A, there's hobbyists like myself who at this point, I'm standing on bedrock. I'm probably not going to move. Like it would, it would take something catastrophic. And even then, like all my cards could go to zero. I really don't care. Not to, nothing personal, but I genuinely don't care. So for me, I'm standing on bedrock. I'm very comfortable where I am. I'll buy all your stuff for nothing when it goes to zero. Cool. Yeah, no. But um, but for those folks that are entering the market because they're seeing these prices, to the Ken Golden example, though, if the next time that Superfractor Trout comes out, the next time it sells for 150000 because suddenly the market collapsed on it and the market collapsed on another thing, and now we're not breaking records, we're going backwards, and we're going backwards strongly, is, it go- is he going to want to push out there that we're in the third inning? Yeah. He might be a little less eager with that third inning analogy. For sure. Um, you know, you talked about uh, 
the the quicksand and the bedrock. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of collectors are on bedrock. You know, a lot of us are. Mm-hmm. The ones who aren't, the collectors who I believe are on quicksand are a lot of the people who have come in very recently and are quite enamored with this year's rookies mm-hmm. because we're seeing big, like you, like it, it comes right back down to the, the price of a box of wax, of prism, mm-hmm. Mosaic basketball, football, whatever it is. I mean, these 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 were one hundred and twenty five dollar boxes mm-hmm. two years ago. Now they're seven eight hundred dollar boxes. People coming in, spending that kind of money, and now these prices of PSA tens of these rookies are supporting the box, the the unopened box prices. Mm-hmm. When these players don't turn into what people think they're going to turn into, mm-hmm. like the bowl bowl effect kind of thing, yeah. that's when we're going to see what you indicated will be the first sign of a Carlos, which is the the correction. Is when those people that realize, hey, I love you know we came in. But we came in, we came in guns a blazing, but we were aiming at the wrong targets. And are they going to then shift their aim to the smarter targets, like seasoned and and you know um, savvy collectors, like I consider myself to be? Are or are they going to leave altogether, mm-hmm. take their loss, and move on because they figure, oh, it didn't work? Yeah, I think that's where the question lies. I think there's one more variable as well. Your, your point is are very valid. There's one more variable you also have to take into account. Because of all these new market entrants and them coming in, running in with money, we've seen this phenomenon in other investments, by the way. In stocks, this happens. If a company gets too hyped too early, they move their price to a point at which they're already, they're already at a price that would normally be reserved for already sustained, consistent profitability when they're basically an IPO. Well, then what happens is when they come out, they can show a profit, but it's still a disappointment because you gave me this and I was actually expecting this because you've already priced that in. In five years, this would have made sense. Right now, it doesn't. So now, actually, this is a disappointment. Even though you did perform, even though you still did, you were profitable, you were not profitable enough. And with the new crop of players, if I'm already shooting them into LeBron James price territory and they're anything short of LeBron James, we have disappointed, even though there could be a perennial all-star, even though they could be an excellent player, but you're not pricing it at excellent player. They didn't go up organically and slowly. They, they jump straight to LeBron James and they're not LeBron James. Exactly. That's, that's so right. That's so right. You look at a player like Zion Williamson, who he's a prime example. He is his his cards were selling for the same prices that uh, Kawhi Leonard's cards were selling for, for example. And, and their Kawhi resumes Leonard, don't match. What's that? Their resumes don't match right now. They, they Well, one guy has one, one guy doesn't. That's what I'm saying, though. They can't yeah. match. It's not it's fair. Like, in, in, in hockey, why does Connor McDavid, and I'm going to use uh, Future Watch Autos for this because I, I follow them. Why is Connor McDavid's Future Watch Autograph rookie selling for more than Sidney Crosby's? It makes no sense to me. The, the, but it's because he's the flavor of the day. There's so much potential and hope built into his price that if he doesn't win two Stanley Cups, a gold medal, three heart trophies, and an Art Ross, is he going to maintain? I mean, I hope he does, but is he? It doesn't matter what I hope. It matters whether or not he will. So I think a lot, yeah, a lot of these, a lot of the new entrants in the, into the hobby are coming in and they're paying prices that are that have historically been reserved for the best of the best. Mm-hmm. And now the new guys who are people want to be the best of the, the next, the next uh, generation of the best of the best are being priced that way. So That's interesting right. stuff. Time will tell on all of this. No, none of us can predict the future, unfortunately, or else we'd all, we all wouldn't be here or we'd be here, but we'd also be here on our yachts doing it from uh, a beautiful resort town or something like that. Maybe, but maybe by the next episode, Jeremy, I'm working maybe, on the yacht. Maybe still we'll getting built. Still getting maybe, built. 
Maybe we'll be there then. Chris wants to know when was the original Wagner sold for big money? The one, so that was sold to Wayne Gretzky and Bruce McNall. I mean, that's in the 90s. I don't know if it was the early 91. 90s. It was that early. Right about 91. Well, don't forget, that was the first PSA card graded. Yeah. That was in 1991. So okay. I'm pretty sure it was right around there. You can Google it, but I'm pretty sure it was right around 91 because that was also around the same time that John Candy and Wayne Gretzky and a couple of them went in on the Toronto Argonauts. That's same right. time period, yeah. about 91, yeah. give okay. or take. Yeah, Give or take. I thought it was a little bit later, but you're probably right. Legion says, I saw baseball cards at the grocery store the other day. That got my attention. Yeah, I mean, it's always cool. As collectors, we always notice these things, no matter what kind of store or retail setting we're in. We're but the sad part is that used to be common. I used to yeah. go to the I used to go to the grocery store and they had baseball cards there all the time. The byway, the whatever. It always had baseball cards. Yeah. Not anymore. Well, and then Brian goes to ask which one, and it was a save mart. <laughs> uh, this user says, or they are no doubt, sorry, oh, they are up no doubt three times over the past three to five years in print runs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I the think exact we, number we don't know, but definitely higher. Yes. It's definitely higher. And three to three to five, uh, three times. I think, and I think what you're saying there, uh, person whose name i'm not sure of uh i think you're saying at least three three times by when you you when you preface it with the no doubt i think you mean at least three times so and i agree with that i really do agree with that yes chris said the general commodity rookies i agree with carlos it's probably less than 40 percent. yeah it depends on the print run the print run is the final answer to this because even if a ton are graded it depends on what the final print run is and we don't we don't know and we'll we'll never know but when we see 20 between PSA and Beckett, and you're seeing 20,000 total graded Zions. Is the print run 30,000, 40, 50, 60, 70? That, that'll, that'll, I'm probably really, yeah. I'm thinking, I think I'm, I think if I think about it, 75% is high, but I mean, it might get there in a couple of years. It might eventually get there. Who's going to have a raw cart? No one's going to want the raw copy unless you're building sets. And let's face it, very few people are building sets of, of this stuff compared to the way they used to. It'll also I, depend on what if his price continue if he continues to sustain a good price because if well, his price starts to get hurt then it'll become less interesting to expend the extra expense to potentially gain very little. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Joe says, "What do you guys foresee with the new trend of retail flipping and people camping out at Walmart and Target? Will there be an adjustment by major card companies to reconsider the dissemination of product? I mean, we've already seen that by Panini. Mm-hmm. Carlos, go ahead." Okay, so two things. So Joe, beautiful question. I love it. I also want you to know that Amit and I are going to talk about this topic. We already kind of broached it a little bit, but but I'll I'll give you a little bit of what I think about right now. Um, It's not a new trend, though. Like people hoarding the stuff. Again, the thing with the overproduction era is people were trying to do it, but there was just so much you couldn't hoard it. (laughs) Like literally- in the early 90s, I used to go to Costco yeah. on the day that I knew they were getting their car. And I'm talking about 91, 92 upper deck hockey. Like This isn't new. What's yeah. old is new again, guys. Just so you know, this isn't new. It's just there was so much before that it didn't matter. Oh, yeah, yeah. Clear out the clear out the shelves. Um, what are you doing? I'm going to refill the shelf now with the additional cases we have. With the next pallet. <laughs> yes. It's like the next guy can come and clear our shelves. But um, but to answer your question, though, the the short answer, what I believe. Yes, the companies will consider it, but, and this is something that I'm thinking about and something I've been hearing a little bit of rumors about, what about the Walmart and Target? What about them carrying less of the product or none of the product? Because their margins are very low on this stuff. And to be honest, it takes up a ton of shelf space that could be better used to higher margin products. And if people are camping out and loitering in the store, it's a pain in the ass. Why would they even want to deal with it? And people are in some of the uh, the distributors or the folks that are filling those shelves are getting harassed. 
So why would they deal with additional security they suddenly have to do? They suddenly have to monitor these these shelves and be like, get the you know the loiterers out of there when it's a low margin product. They're not making any extra money from this. They Whether they sell out, they don't care. It doesn't make any difference. So you know what you could do? You could decrease the amount of shelf space. You could put it behind a lock and key and slowly shrink the amount. And then Tops and Panini and those guys would end up having more of their own product left. But then they start selling it to you direct to market. And so the Walmart, yeah, but I'm saying more. Like eventually all the retail product could just become, it's directly through Tops and Panini and, and Upper Deck and whatever. And it might not even be in the store anymore. Well, you know, I, I completely hear what you're saying. And I, I agree that, you know, this is this is the one this is one industry where and I forget who said it on the show in a recent episode. There's five levels of profit that need to be mm -hmm. built into these cards. Right. Right. I mean, I'll go through. There's the manufacturer. There's the distributor. There's the retailer. There's the cut. And then there's the, the retailer. And then there's the customer. Mm -hmm. Right. Because then you need to flip it. And then there, there was another one in there. I forget who it was, but mm -hmm. I believe someone spoke through this with me or I, I heard I heard them speaking about it. And there were five different levels of profit that need to happen so for and and when you're the manufacturer and you see that there's so many more people making money after you why and in today's world of you know global economy and connectivity and i i don't i i say this very uh cautiously what's the what is the what is the necessity for the local card shop? Why are they? I mean, everyone always says we got to support the LCSs. We got to support the LCSs. They're critical to the hobby. Why? Why are they critical to the hobby when, you know, it's the one industry that bricks and mortar are critical to? Are, is it? I was playing with my, I'm playing with one of my daughter's hair bands for right just in right now it flicked off too my, much information just too off, much it just flicked off much. no check it, it flicked off yeah. my thumb hit my light and bounced down and landed in my glass of water nice anyway it's a green after one. hours after hours no holds barred so um you know i love local card shops and i yeah. i got friends that own them and uh and i don't want to see them go away but if i take off that hat and i put on the you know, the others, the, the play, play the devil's advocate there. And I think, why do we still need local card shops when you can do everything you need to do in the hobby, really from the comfort of your own house. And we can meet up at card shops every so often. I now, un I, 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 I understand, I don't love it because it's hurting small business, but I understand why Panini has basically cut out the, the local card shop in terms of Canadian dis distribution point. They don't, there's no, they can't get it up here anymore. They're not, distributing panini product basketball product to canada is my understanding those guys are buying it on the secondary market and they can sell it on their own website for full fair market value being 700 a box instead of wholesaling it or pre-wholesaling it at a hundred dollars a box of course they want more of the pie when they see what their what their creations are doing on the secondary market i just don't know what the right answer there is and i wonder you know, going opening up a card shop right now, I think is going to be fairly risky because, you know, if Tops decides to follow suit and they they have their they have their fair share of direct to, to consumer products, if Upper Deck follows suit and they have their share of, of direct to consumer products through EPAC through the EPAC platform, is that what what's going to happen to the to the local card shops? And is that you know, with five layers of profit built in, who can be eliminated? Yeah, that's that was a big part of it is that 
as soon as all it takes is one executive at the manufacturer to basically outline the case you just made. Guys, they're making all the money. We make the same amount. As long as we sell out our product, we make the same amount. Every year. We can try to increase the dollar amount. We can try to increase the suggested retail, whatever, or we can increase production. But they're they're going to look at it like, well, we've, if we increase production, we're potentially hurting ourselves down the road. Well, why don't we just cut out the middleman? We'll keep the price. We can even keep the price the same as what they were charging, but we'll sell it directly and the additional profit goes straight to us. Yeah. And then from the perspective of the local LCS, they become redundant, unnecessary. And then if you want to run your own card shop, you run it virtually. There's almost yeah. no reason to have a storefront then because that's additional cost and you don't have the product to bring people in the door and you can just sell it online. Yeah. Oh, hey. So down below here, uh, Frank says, so if they if they want to cut out the LCS, what's next? Card shows, will everything be from home? Well, we saw in we saw in 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 June that the expo had a virtual show. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, Frank and Carlos, um, you know, I've done expo for 15 years. I've probably done 30 of them. My second best card show ever in terms of pure dollars revenue, and I've had some pretty good ones, mm -hmm. was the virtual expo in June. Mm -hmm. It was my second best card show ever, just in terms of dollars sold. Okay. Why do I need to spend $2,000 to travel to Toronto, get a hotel room, rent a car, buy a booth, rent showcases, mm -hmm. when I did it from my own house for 200 bucks, you know, yeah. or whatever, whatever I paid for the booth. It was cheap um, compared to going there. So... I mean, I, I understand the comment, you know, what's next, but what, but what, what drives business isn't emotion about collectors that want to congregate. What drives business are dollars and cents yeah. and where you can cut costs, you're going to save money where, where therefore you're making more money. And I, this is an unpopular opinion, but I don't, well, no, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that out loud because <laughs> I actually don't believe it. So I won't say what I was about to say. Can I? Can I say a quick thing about that though? Your point's valid. Your point's valid. But can I? I'll say a quick thing about that. One thing though, Frankie, do you have to keep bear in mind as well is that not all dealers rely on the wax. Like it's it's a part of the business, but um, if you're if you're maybe not a full time LCS and you take up at a card show again, we're talking in in a post COVID time when you can actually physically be in proximity. So let's say the national or something like that, if that becomes available, the next national, I think Chicago, right. is supposed to be, if they're able to get it off. So let's say they do, there's still going to be dealers there who are going to do great business at the tables because they're going to say, but they're probably just not going to rely on wax. Now there are dealers that exclusively work on wax. They've got a problem, a real big problem. If that this was to come to pass. But yeah. for dealers who are dealing in actual trade, even the ones that do trades as well and things like that, they can still do a booming business, still trading the assets because we can, through eBay, ComC, a variety, slab stocks, a bunch of other platforms, we can trade online now and they still do the shows. Yeah. So the, yeah. the singles were not replaced by the internet. Yeah. And you know what I was going to say earlier is that the other thing is that in terms of Frank's comment about uh, what's next, card shows disappearing. Well, card shows are, are driven are you know originally were driven by collectors not by not by the industry they right. were driven by collectors wanting to get together and i don't think that's ever going to stop because we're social we're social animals at the core of who we are as humans we 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 need social interaction and i mean but that said you know like right here carlos we're hanging out like mm -hmm. i can't reach out and touch you i can't give you a fist pump or a handshake but this you know Technology has come to the point where we can have virtual social interactions. And let's face it, due to COVID, society is getting more used to it and more accepting of it as a way to 
to do that. So, you know, I don't want card shows to go away because I want to see people in person. I want to look and touch a card before I buy it. Right. But let's be fair about one thing, Jeremy. Part of the part of the appeal of like a where was I being unfair? Where was I being unfair? No, 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 no. One second. Your your point's valid, but there's one thing. Part of the appeal of going to the expo is hanging out at the pub after. The cards are great. The cards are great. But listen, I don't even go to the I don't need to go to the show for cards anymore. I I go, it's like, all right, we're going to go get a pint. Great. Let's go get some food. Yeah, it's about the social. It's about yeah. the th- the pre expo Thursday dinner sure. that, that that we host uh, th- because of Hobby Insider, mm-hmm. and now I'm going to mix that with this, and we're going to invite everybody to that. You know, yeah. It, yeah. it's that. It's the trade nights after the, on the Sunday night. It's it's hanging out at the show. It's doing deals in person. I don't think that's ever going to go away. I really don't. There's still but, an appeal you know, to it. There's still an appeal to it that you can't match with the online version. Like I, while I was watching your show, I bought like five cards online while I was watching yeah. the show. You know, listening to everyone's sadness and the years you know everyone's and it's and going to a show is different than hanging out at an lcs right it's a different experience right Mm -hmm. but you know you need a you need a pack of sleeves or some top loaders it's nice to run to the card shop and grab and not have to wait for yeah for the shipment to come in in a week or so um until amazon takes over the hobby then it's all same day right but you know that's going to happen but i mean i just you know it's unfortunate that it's that basketball. Well, what's happened is basketball has led this drive, and Panini has caught on and started to sell direct to consumer, mm-hmm. just like they would, because uh, they want more of the profit. And if I'm Panini, I'm a shareholder of Panini. I can't say I do it much differently, and mm-hmm. you know I'm going to get a lot of hate at me for it. But what do I care if my shareholders are making five times more money than they were before? It's mm-hmm. not, a, you know, that's what it's about business. And I think a lot of hobbyists and collectors forget. The card companies are not profit-oriented organizations. They are mm-hmm. for-profit. They are there to make money for their shareholders, their owners, whoever that is. That's their sole purpose of being in business is to make money. Mm-hmm. It's not to give charity. And I'm not saying it's charity, but it's not to just give away their profits to some other entity. So I I don't know. It, the feel, it feels cynical, but it's not. It's just being. It's just looking really? at it from the perspective of who is making the cards they're not doing it for fun. That's right. The people in there might be having fun. I've worked at a lot of places that aren't fun externally in terms of the business they do, but the people inside the office have fun, but that's two different things. The product's the product and the product is for profit. That's what it's yeah. designed for. Let's look at some comments because we got a bunch coming in here. Yeah, there's some good ones I saw, I think, in there. Yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, people are buying the hype. We'll never know unless there's a lawsuit that drags it. We'll never know unless there's a lawsuit that drags it out like early upper deck year print runs. Yeah, we're never going to find out the print runs. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, I'm pretty tight with some gut with some people at some card companies, and uh, I can't get, I can't weasel any of that information out of them. These guys, these guys are, you know. But also, what's the incentive? Like, why do they need to tell? Why do they need to tell you the print runs unless they promised you a certain print run? Well, like but, at the, but but at the same time, why do they need why do they need to not tell you? I mean, and they've they've explained it on on this show even yeah. why no, they I, I get do it. it. It's yeah. part of the mystique of the product, right? Um, yeah, Joe, they're going to print more or put less in boxes. Okay, Chris says retail arbitrage is a big thing now. Tons of videos on Instagram all about it for yeah. sure. Great topic and discussion. Thank you, Boston Herb. Welcome to the show. Chris says, just wait until they move to retail. They move the retail to a site like Amazon. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's might not be that far away. Um, card collector, uh, welcome to the show. Great to see you. By the way, I bought I bought this on Amazon Prime. Did you? I just bought it for fun. I just wanted a blaster to open, and I bought it, and it basically cost me retail. I bought it on Amazon Prime. 
Well, there you go. I shipped it with another product and it came in the same box. Yeah. It's already there, guys. Do you think Lafreniere will generate a McDavid-like frenzy for next year's cards? I don't think quite as high as McDavid. Um, kind of off topic, which is cool. I would say no. My answer to that is no. It'll be um, more like a Tavares or Stamkos type of frenzy than we than we we saw with McDavid, is my opinion. Uh, Brett says, could the hobby exist without bricks and mortar? Sure. But I would be interested in knowing how quickly collectors would exit the hobby. Person to person is important in my opinion. I completely agree. But I don't know that bricks and mortar are the only channel to person to person. I think card shows are a channel. And even though this isn't, we're not physically in the same room, Carlos and I and all the people watching right now, we are still having person to person interaction. I feel, I still feel like we're having an interaction. So Brett, we're, also, we're also having a debate and discussing the hobby. In the middle of the night. In the middle of the night in our own homes. Yeah, which is pretty awesome. And but these conversations used to happen before before streaming and before the video like we have it now. These would happen in card shops. Mm -hmm. So I think right there we see that you don't need a card shop to have these discussions. But it is not it is nice to do it at a countertop in a card shop. Like the thing is sometimes and Brett, Brett's 100% on. I think it's a good point he makes. See, I'm so conciliatory today. But um, but the thing is that the other thing, though, is a lot of what we do in the hobby is kinged upon our nostalgia. We think back to the day when Jeremy was playing with something and got it in his glass, like earlier today. But we also think back nostalgically. Look at that. Yeah, there it nice. is. Nice. There's the green elastic at the bottom of my glass, which I just drank anyway. My but we, also, but we also think back nostalgically to like when we went to the card shop and opened packs and we're chatting and hanging out and trading the cards and all that. And that's all fine. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. This hobby is basically built on nostalgia. It's designed with nostalgia here. But at the same time, it's like, guys, that, that was 30 years ago. Yeah. That was 25 years ago. Yes, we still go to the card shop and do it. But if you're going to the card shop, when you're opening those packs today, there's a good chance you're also kind of in the back of your mind thinking, oh, well, I wonder what the eBay comp is. I wonder how it's you know And sorry, Carl, but the other thing is that nowadays, like you just said, you bought five cards on your phone while you were watching my the, the first episode tonight. Yep. I mean, that money would have been spent at a card shop yep. 15 years ago yep. before we had these handy little devices where, I mean, I've said it on the show before, I buy cards no matter where I am. I buy mm -hmm. cards at, at work. I buy cards when I'm in the bathroom. I buy cards if I'm, I buy them when I'm driving. I buy them no matter what I'm doing. I mean, it doesn't even matter. Like One of those cards was also a best offer where I had been negotiating back and forth with seller. So we were haggling on the app. We were going yeah. back and forth on the app <laughs> to, to come up with a final price. Right. And if we didn't have, so like right there, hobby dollars are moving from the LCS to some remote seller somewhere else. So the, 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 the bad side of that is it hurts the LCS because now you're not waiting a week to go to the store once a week and buy your products there because that's mm -hmm. your source. Um, the other part of it, though, is that we have a much a much tighter community. We can access cards that we couldn't access before. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many moving parts in all this that I think we're we're trending away from physical bricks and mortar stuff. Um, and we're still early on in that because there's still lots of card shops and card shops are still opening all the time. I see people posting just opened a store and that's mm -hmm. great. But as, as long as the, because the card companies, they're the ones that really hold the, the power here and as to how are they going to distribute? And, you know, I love what Upper Deck's done with their hockey, uh, hockey card day and they have baseball mm -hmm. card day in the States. 
and that's there to drive business to the LCSs because mm-hmm. those cards are given to the LCSs. So, you know, it's kind of like they're doing that still, but what are they doing that's hurting the LCSs? Like, you know, people argue EPAC hurts it, direct to consumer mm-hmm. hurts it. Lots of lots of moving parts. Let's keep running through here. Brett says, I remember back in the early 90s, card shows were every other weekend. Now yep. it's once a month. If lucky, the monthly card show is on the verge of becoming extinct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair. There's also one more point about what Brett was saying, which is also yeah. valid about yeah. what he just said. There's all, I'll give you a quick example of a transaction that wouldn't have been possible in the brick and mortar era. That one of one that I mentioned, it was on eBay, yes. But I was in touch with that seller before it ever hit eBay because somebody on a Facebook group saw him post it asked them to reach out to me. And we had been talking on and off for weeks where I was basically trying to convince him he was out of his damn mind with the price he was trying to go for. And we were able to get it down. What's that? What did he want for it? A thousand. A thousand. Oh, so he did. He got about that. Yeah. No, no, he didn't get close to that. He got 800 and something. No, not even close. I thought, I thought you said you. no, No, that you're thinking about the shield that I didn't win. Yeah. I'm talking about the one of one that is for the stature. Oh, that oh. I did that I did pick up. That was a different thing. His original starting point though was a thousand, and he kept trying to lower the price. But the only reason I was able to be in touch with him, I was talking to him on Instagram, and I told him flat out, "Is was that deal you got?" Because he didn't know I was the eBay person who made the offer. So he said, "Is this you?" And I go, "Yes." And you better accept the offer because it's not going a penny higher. In fact, I'm thinking about retracting it and going lower. And he goes, "Got it." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't have been possible in the brick and mortar era though, because he would have pulled it somewhere in Detroit, and I would have never heard about it. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Legion says, I really enjoyed the virtual expo being from California. It was a virtual win. Got no peachy Bobby Clark rookie for a great price. Yeah. Sweet. Nice. Yeah. That's Couldn't cool. find that at your LCS in, in California, probably. Peter says, for Upper Deck, aren't they going to be stuck with a lot of product? I thought distributors were forcing LCSs to purchase a lot of the less desired product in order to get S- the Cup SB Authentic allocation. Uh, that is my understanding. But, um, you know, when Upper Deck gets stuck with products once in a while, and then they just don't make that product the next year, and the stuff is blown out. So, but would they even be stuck with the product right now, with how hot the hobby is right now? Like, well, if- and with and with the the distributors forcing cart shops to buy the lower end product in order to get allocation for the higher end product. So and you not- know, maybe the LCS would buy from Upper Deck online and just get it directly from Upper Deck instead of the LCS. That yeah. might be a better deal for them, actually. Yeah. Legion says there's no shareholder-owned card companies anymore. They're all owned by private owners. Well, let me remind you, Legion, those private owners are shareholders. Every company is owned by shareholders, whether it's a public or a private company. So that's kind of what I was getting at. They're they're not always run by the shareholders, Mm -hmm. and they're not. Upper Deck isn't run by, I think he said, Vivian McWilliams. It's run by Jason Mashera. They're in business for the shareholders. Which I think he's making the distinction between publicly traded and, yeah. He is, but I'm saying... They're all, but he says there's no shareholder-owned card companies. Well, there's every company in the world is owned by shareholders. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, whether they're public or private is the I other agree. thing. But yeah. but the, the the management of the company, their their goal, the what they're tasked at earning profits for the shareholders and for themselves and bonuses and all that. It's all about making money for everybody that's involved. Ultimately, that's right. the shareholders. Chris says, as someone that doesn't touch high-end stuff, it's interesting, fun to watch what's going on with the hobby. It sure is, Chris. It sure is. Brett says, the conversation is happening, absolutely, but I think there are some who connect the hobby to the shops, remove that from the equation, and they might not want to adapt. That's valid. Completely valid. I mean, there's still people that don't have one of these, you know? It's 
it, it happens, right? Yeah. Some people don't like change and some people embrace it. I, you but know, if what we're being told is true, Brett, there are so many new hobbyists coming in <laughs> so many that don't worry, they'll be replaced. And yeah, and they all have smartphones. Legion says those cards wouldn't have been found before the internet. We ain't got one of those, Mister. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. Carvin says bricks and brick, brick and mortar is needed, but they also have to adapt too. And you see, that's a great point because this is where group breaking comes in. Like you okay. see, you know, you see Mo from West, and you see Kenny Durr from Imperial, and you see other all other guy. You see um. Well, uh, Ken Richardson from Pastime. These are guys that I'm familiar with that have mm -hmm. Facebook yeah. groups that are out there breaking product every night of the week, pretty much. So they have a, They have really um, embraced this new digital world, the the new video digital world, the ability mm -hmm. to stream. Jason from Players Choice in in Kelowna, BC. He does card auctions a couple nights a week that get a good viewing, a good viewership, and he sells a ton of cards that way. So, yeah. yeah Carvin says it's needed, but they have to adapt. I mean, I, I think that they have to adapt in order to still be needed uh, in a in a way, in some weird way. Because yeah. again, I think the hobby survives without them. I'm not, and I'm not advocating for this. I'm just trying to think in what what makes sense in my own head uh, mm -hmm. realistically. Yeah. Brett says on the flip side, I think having more of the hobby online will draw in new collectors. That's the, that's the prevailing theory. Quick point about Car what Carvin said. Yeah, I, I, I haven't workshopped this yet because usually I like to workshop my idea a little bit before it comes out. But something I said earlier in this conversation has triggered something in my head where I just thought of this. I already just said it kind of uh, flippantly, but also at the same time, this might be a thing to the adaptation point. If Upper Deck or whoever gets tired of dealing with the distributors and wants to get more of the money for themselves and they go to the direct-to-consumer model, brick and mortar can become a consumer too. So they just buy it directly from Upper Deck like anybody else. And then they go and do their own resale, but they use it as a way to get the people to come in. It might cost them more, but then they get rid of the wholesale piece from the manufacturer standpoint. They may but, not want to do but, it, but they could. But now they're paying the same price that the consumer could pay right now. I, I agree. And then they would so charge now, the consumer more. So but it depends on how much availability right. there is. And how much the consumer values that in in store experience. I'm not saying it's a good model. I'm just saying no. that's an option that may become available for the brick and mortar if they wish to continue in the wax. Yeah, it, it's an option. I don't. I don't think it's a very good one. I think you're going to. I see think they would hate it. Yeah, you're, you're just going to see these guys close the doors and pivot to something different altogether Correct. at that point. I agree. Or he says, distracted driving, Jer hopefully Justin, not watching Jeremy. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, no, mostly at red lights, uh, Jay, but once once in a while while I'm on the move, I'll hit that 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 uh, bid button if I or confirm bid if I have to. Eric says, that sounds like green eggs and ham. I buy them from a boat. I would buy them from a goat. Jeremy, I am. I'm not sure what you're referring to, something we must have said earlier, but I like that. That, that sounds like a Dr. Seuss rhyme. In fact, that sounds exactly green like egg, a Dr. Seuss rhyme. Yeah, for sure. Here, Carvin says, LCS has infrastructure to create and cherish their communities. It's a valid point, but Carvin, I think the bigger point, like he's totally right. But at the same time, like they have to be able to get the product. Yeah. <laughs> so like depending on how they get the product is going to determine whether it becomes viable long-term for them or not. Yeah, yeah. Legion, this is what I was saying earlier. Legion makes the same, the great point. LCS is a great support for supplies and on-the-spot purchases for sure. Sure. Remember some of the access of your PC, eBay, and the online world opened up a whole new world of possibilities when collecting uh, my PC player. They sure, really? sure did. And and for collecting anything, whatever we PC, it's all so out there. Uh, oh, my God, I've fallen asleep twice trying to stay up with you young folks. Keep it up. Mad fun. Thanks for joining. Uh, wow, so confident in your style to lowball, LOL. So confident in your style to lowball. 
I don't remember. I don't know what that's in reference. I assume, to. I assume he's, re I assume he's referring to the uh, the sell the seller on the one on one, where I flat out told him that is like, if you don't accept this, I'm going to decrease my offer. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good view. Yeah. I'm actually going to I'm actually going to drop this lower. Yeah, because it's been sitting for a couple of weeks, and I was like, dude, you're delusional. By the way, I still feel I overpaid. Yeah, it was actually still too high in my opinion. But it's like, look, man. And you know, you know that happens, right? Where you make an offer, they say no. Then, and what what typically happens is they have it to buy it now, thousand dollars. You offer five hundred, they say no. They list it for auction two weeks later. You win it for two fifty. Yeah. You know that yeah. that happens. Too. At the moment, right now, the man had a piece of cardboard, and now he has cash. So yeah. now he can do something with the cash. He couldn't do anything with the cardboard. Rod says companies control what the LCS can do. Example: not list new product on their own website unless approved by the company. Yeah, yeah. that's mm -hmm. that's. Yeah, you're you, you're a UD authorized or other company, UD yeah. authorized online dealer, which is a newer thing, uh, which means you can sell, but only in Canada. So like I've seen some dealers where they've got that kind of a deal. Yep. Yeah. Chris says the worst most sellers can do is say no if you lowball them or in some cases accept it. That's true. Mm -hmm. He says if retail and bricks and mortar go away, how is the hobby going to grow to gain more collectors? Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Tim Hortons. It also depends example. on it also depends on their motivation though. The the reason why I made the quicksand comment is that I think a lot of these new collectors are here because of the dollars. They they don't have the nostalgia necessarily. That's why I say like I'm on bedrock because I've got a 30 year track record of nostalgia with it. I still enjoy it. It's still fun for me. That's why I'm up in the middle of the night in my time to talking about this stuff. If I didn't enjoy it, I would not be doing this. Yeah. So I have no reason to be here. I could save money and spend it on other things. Right. And same with me. That's why I'm up. That's why I'm doing. You know, we're going on four hours here of live streaming tonight because I love this hobby. And you know, there's two card shops in town that I frequent on a semi-regular basis now. COVID, the COVID's come up, sure. and you know, I don't bust a lot of product ever. I'm a singles guy. I'm mm -hmm. a secondary market guy, so I don't open a ton of product anyway. Uh, when I go to trade nights at these shops, one being Maple Leaf Sports, one being Eastridge, um, I only play the the Pack Wars games. I don't bust a box of this and a box of that i'll maybe buy a card out of the showcase do some trades with some guys but i i, I just i just bust the I, I play the games that we play and it's not it's not necessary for me in the hobby if if and i don't want them to go away because i do go there and enjoy them but if if all the stores in my city disappeared my hobby would change very little the biggest thing that would change is that i wouldn't be able to get supplies as quickly as i do that'd be the biggest thing not sure. much more would change for me. And right now we have a shortage of supplies too. That's right. So yeah. it's not like you can even get it. Chris says grocery stores love their communities too, but they won't last if they can't stock the shelves. Yeah, Agreed. Well totally yeah. agree. Yep. Yeah. Legion says, but we need the kids. That's where the retail comes into play. Well, I this love this question. I love this comment. Please continue. Okay, so all Go I'm going to say to that is I don't think it, I don't, I don't see how the card shops are the only lifeline to the new kids. I think there's many other ways that kids get involved these days. Um, I'll leave it at that. Carlos, you, you, you're, you're, I can see you're uh, ready to go. Let's hear okay. it. So I'll give you the shortest possible version of this. I took, I understand where the sentiment comes from. I totally get it. What I challenge is the idea that this has been a kid's hobby in our lifetime. I actually don't think it is. And I actually don't think it's been a kid's hobby since, unless you're about 70. And I'll expand upon that in a video, I promise, in the future. But the short version is I genuinely don't believe it's been a kid's hobby for decades and decades and decades. So yeah. does it matter for the future? Yes, totally agree. 100% on board with that. I don't know if 
They need it because they understand the future needs it for sustaining. But I don't know if beyond the next couple of generations, it's going to matter what you do, retail or no retail. I'm a little more pessimistic on that than some people. We can debate it. I'm more than happy to. But I don't think it's been a kid's hobby for decades. It didn't cause a problem. I think this next generation, it will cause a problem. But I think that die has been cast. In no, my opinion. Man, I'm not going to debate you on that because I completely agree. You know, people always say we, uh, I believe we need kids in the hobby for the future. We, yes. we do. We all, we obviously need new people coming into the hobby. Otherwise our cards aren't worth anything. And so it's very self-serving for us mm -hmm. to, to find ways to bring new, to bring in kids, mm -hmm. but these kids can be in their mid twenties. They don't have to be, you know, eight to 18 years old. They can just be younger people in their, in their whatever, late teens, early twenties. Um, what to, to, to think that the only way they can get involved is through card shops. And Chris goes on to say that the, he says that only works if people are following the people posting the hobby stuff, Jeremy, my, my comment about Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, I see zero card content on my main Twitter, um, on my main Twitter account that doesn't follow any card related people. Well, that's obvious, Chris. I mean, of, of course not, but you know, a kid can like I, I hear stories all the time. I, you you ask uh, the young people in my in my who come on the show here, uh, Charles, for example, where he first got his first card ever came from. It wasn't going into a card shop. It was someone giving him cards. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where it starts. What kid says, "Hey, mom, take me to the card shop"? They don't. Need, kids don't even know cards exist anymore. It comes yeah. from outside of themselves. It comes from other. Uh, it comes from a, a friend at school who has an older brother or a friend who has a father who's in the hobby, or they saw something on the somewhere. They saw an ad in the newspaper for a card show. I've heard that one several times. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever heard because I drove by a card shop and thought I wanted to go in there. Again, I think it's, I think it's a hard argument to make because my memories of the earliest, earliest part of my hobby where there were cards at the toy store and there were cards at the grocery store and the pharmacy and where I got my first packs that my dad bought for me and let me have was at the pharmacy. Yeah. He bought, he bought me a couple of packs and let me have them. And I opened up on the way home. It was and at the pharmacy. Was, it was it the pharmacist was very nice, but they weren't a card shop owner. <laughs> no. And that was my first, my first was a drugstore yeah. as well called Niagara drugs in Winnipeg. Yeah. But you know what? That's why maybe retail is so important. And, and the programs like Tim Hortons, because now you're, ex you're, you're, you're getting impressions from people who aren't, don't even know that there's any card shops around. Okay. Let's keep rolling here though. Right. Yeah. Legion says they're not struggling to find Yu-Gi-Oh or Pokemon, but try to find some basketball or baseball. Uh, Frank says you're spot on Carlos. Carvin says, I agree. It's parents teaching kids. Okay. Carvin mm -hmm. says there are more, there are more 20 somethings buying and part of the business. Now I agree. There's so many young people in the hobby right now. It's a big when I hear people, when I hear people say there's no kids in the hobby, I mean, you're just not, you just don't know where to look. Many sneakerheads are buying cards. I mean, I don't know any personally that are, but I hear it, so I have to agree. Based the only, on the only count, the only point I would make about the twenty somethings, and I agree totally with this assessment. The problem is they may not be tethered to the hobby as strongly. That's why I use that analogy between yeah. bedrock and quicksand. Yeah. They would also be quick to jump ship if it yeah. didn't, wasn't profitable anymore. It's because they don't have the gene like we do, yeah. right? So that's yeah. where the retail argument has some validity. Yeah. I agree because if if you don't get them at eight years old, if you try to get them at twenty years old, they're there. But they're there because there's money to be made. And yeah. as soon as the money's no longer to be made, it's on to the next thing. Different different drivers, different things incentivize Correct. them. Correct. Here, Brett says, I've never thought about the hobby for me without shops in my city. I'm not Fair sure enough. I feel comfortable about it. I think I would explore the hobby more online than I currently do. Yeah, Instagram, Twitter, et cetera. Totally Here's a comment. I, 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 I'm, uh, this is Rod's comment. Uh, Rod's a guy I really like. I know him personally. We've, uh, we've done business and become um, 
I, I can't really, Rod, I can't really call us hobby friends. We've never hung out outside of the summit in Edmonton, but we've certainly had some great conversations. Okay. I think you're going to like this comment, Brett, uh, Carlos. He says, it was a kid's hobby until LCSs appeared. When packs were bought at a corner store, it was a kid's hobby. So is I would that- go fur- I would go further back. Even further back, even further back. The I mean, first- but, there were L- but Carlos, there were, L- there were LCSs in the 80s. Agreed. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, so again, was, I don't want to give away my whole thesis, but let me give okay, you guys the okay. shortest possible version short, okay. because I want to save you guys some time just to save. And, and you, you're, you'll do your own video on it too. Yeah. But I'm also want to give you, I'll uh, give you a quick thing. So for, for Rod's comment, Rod, your total, your points valid. And that's a good cutoff if you want to think about it that way. But the LCS has appeared because there was money to be made. The LCS has went back to the mid seventies. Kit Young was in the mid seventies, but I'll take you further. There were guys that were building the early price guides in the 1930s. What were price guides for? To evaluate value. Who was doing that? Adults. Not kids. It was adults. Were they pricing them or yes. were they They came up with the them. earliest versions of price guides going back to the 30s. Their early cataloging had some very, very rudimentary pricing. They were thinking about prices. Who does that? Adults. The kids mm-hmm. weren't thinking about prices. The kids were involved. The golden era of baseball cards in 1950s, the kids back then may think they were avoiding it entirely. The adults were out there. They just didn't see them yet, but they were hanging out. Yeah. So the kid's hobby, unless you're about 75 years old, you never had a kid's hobby. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, again, I, I, I almost cringe when I hear people saying that, you know, this is supposed to be a kid's hobby. No, it's not supposed. Not to in your be lifetime, my friend. Hobby. Not in your lifetime, my friend. No, and 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 why? Why is this supposed to be, be because they they were issued with bubble gum at the beginning of time? Well, who could afford to go to hockey games in the in this or baseball games or football or basketball games in the thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties? They were issued with tobacco before that. I, I under right. Yeah, and who and. <laughs> It wasn't but, the kids. But, right. I understand that. But what I'm saying is that these premiums were put in with tobacco, candy, and gum in order to sell more product, not to sell more cards, to sell more tobacco, candy, or gum. But who wanted those things at the time? It was the kids of the people buying the cigarettes, or right? That's or fair. Kids, That's fair. But those kids, they don't know who these players are. How do they know who these players are unless they're going to the games? Mm-hmm. And those games, you, you, you're you only going to those games if, if someone is paying to take you there. Mm-hmm. So I had I, that was coming together in my head better, better than it came out of my mouth. So I'm going to kind of say maybe that maybe I wasn't going. I generally follow you. But like I said, Rod, I think your comment is I think your comment is more than fair. And I don't have an issue with it. And I actually like I said, if you want to use the LCS as a cutoff, you're not unfair. But if we do that, then we go back to the mid 70s. Well, guys, that's approaching 50 years ago. How old do you have to be then for it to be a kid's hobby in your lifetime? Yeah, I mean, like that's hard. I think maybe the you know the original intention might have been to get kids to get their parents to buy cigarettes, but it was also a backer to keep the cigarettes upright and straight. True, true. It it had a practical purpose as well. It did have a. You're right. It did have the practical purpose, and it really came from. It started with. It wasn't even about sports figures at the beginning of time in the 1880s. It was about advertising. It was just advertising. Okay, I'm getting tired here. Where are we? Hey, Jay Bricks, welcome to the show. Legion says, "Okay, so it does with us." That's extremely short-sighted. I'm not. I, sure I assume. What- I assume he meant dies with us. And I say no. I think you've still got a generation or so because there's still residual. It, there's inertia. There's still some residual momentum. There are. Go to the card show and do in your head a head count of the amount of kids. I'm not saying there's zero, but I'm saying 
try to take the nostalgia glasses off. I'm not being mean about this. I'm just being honest with you. Take the nostalgia glasses off and understand that yes, there are kids there and you will see them. I promise you, you'll see them. But then try, if you were around, try to think back to the 90s and you may realize there were more kids then. Yeah. There, the number was higher on a there percentage were, basis. There were more kids then, but there are still kids now and there's more That's kids fine. coming in for, right? for, for, for whatever their incentives are. There I just are don't know kids. if it's going to be as sticky in the long yeah. run. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, awesome. and it might not be. It might not be. Carvin says, for those of us that grew up with, with cards at seven to eight, we'll recall this as a kid's hobby and not selling the cards. I mean, I was, yeah, it was all about collecting the set. I didn't care what player it was. I'd, I'd trade you my Wayne Gretzky for my Ken Morrow if I needed to complete my set. I agree. Legion says, we teach them. My daughter now knows Bobby Clark. I agree. We, we, and it, it's, I do believe for the longevity of our hobby, it's our responsibility as collectors to spread the good word, be positive about it, give cards out on Halloween to the kids in your neighborhood, do whatever you can to spread the word. It, it will have to be helped. very proactive though. You guys are going to have to work real hard on that sales pitch because there's so many more options for their attention that you're going to have to work a lot harder. Yeah, I, I hear you. And that's that's been the biggest argument against kids coming into the hobby for the last 15, 20 years is that there's so many other options for them. Mm -hmm. But I in, in the young people that I talk to, you know, they still you either collect or you don't, right? Mm -hmm. If you could if you could, you know, and you might you might you might be in between, but you're not gonna stick around, become a lifer. You might come in for a short time. But mm -hmm. For real, to, for this hobby to be sustainable, you're either a collector or you're not. And I don't know that that's something that just goes away because now, now you can, you know, play Pokemon Go or whatever kids are doing these days, play Fortnite. Like, there's still, a, there's, they still like sports. Every kid that, I won't say every kid, but most kids that play Fortnite, and I have a nephew who's a Fortnite, he's crazy about it, mm -hmm. or he was a couple of years ago anyway, he still likes cards. He still likes sports and liked cards. And now the kid's probably 15 years old. So a couple of years ago, he was 12, 13 and he was, he loved cards and he loved Fortnite. Yeah. The good news is you'll get an answer in about 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get the answer. If you stick around long enough, you'll find out. Rod says, I'm, I am pre mid seventies collector. I agree with you for baseball, but hockey never had the money following the, that way until the 1980s. Very possible. Very po Baseball is just an older market. So yeah. it's possible it caught on later and that's fine. That's a valid argument you can make. Yeah. I have no issue with that. Brett says it's a kid's hobby. If you're trading your Gretzky rookie for that Borier Salming to finish your set. But that, yeah. but that's, but that's, that is the era in which you could argue. Now, like I said, it, people might've still done that, but the fact is the 1950s for baseball was the last era when you're like, Oh, I'll trade you five commons for that Mickey Mantle because you didn't have a sense of relative value. Once that started interjecting, the thing is, like I said, the adults were hanging around. They just weren't prevalent yet. That came later. You know, the I think the 80s was the prime time when it was a kid's hobby. It, you know, it was it was the 80s. And that, that was my era. I was opening up packs, building my sets, trading to complete it. I didn't care about who my doubles were. And there was it, really, for me, it turned into a monetized uh, hobby when the first price guide came out that first those first Beckett's came out that's when it changed for me because all of a sudden I saw there was monetary value on these yeah. cards and as a 13 or 14 year old or however old I was at the, at the time all of a sudden now I can go buy a tv for my bedroom or I could go buy more, more cassette tapes and listen to music and that kind of thing save up for a car 
Chris says, I expected him to make a joke about when they made it so kids couldn't smoke anymore. No more free cards in their packs of smokes. Yeah. There's always been more options. That's a strange. Yeah, that's a good point. There's always been options, more options available, like going for bike rides with your friends, playing baseball. We don't need to get much more into that, but that, he makes a valid point. There's always Not, been other options. Yeah, Yes, there's always been other options, but the other option is already in the kid's hands from basically birth. That electronic device is in there before the card is. The electronic device has precedence. It's already there. It, if we're talking about a younger is, generation. It is, but it's it doesn't fill that same need or that same desire that some, you're, some you're of us have. Some of us, yes. Some of us. Collectors, but some of us don't collectors. need the tangible thing, and if they don't need it, it doesn't hold. Yeah. The physical media may not hold. Carvin says, good, be careful about exposing hockey to the speculators, similar to basketball, MLB, and NFL. Imagine UD1 being sold. Yeah, we 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 hit we talked about that briefly earlier, Carvin. And yeah, he goes on to say it might happen soon. It, mm-hmm. it might happen soon. Good. Legion, thank you for joining uh throughout the evening. Uh, always great to have you, man. Thank you so much. Have a good evening yourself. See you on Wednesday. Brett says, start of the 80s, kids, end of the 80s, everything changed. I mean, that's when Upper Deck came in with a hologram and they revolution. They really revolutionized the hobby. I mean, Donruss and Fleer came in in the 80s with baseball, but they didn't, change, yep. they didn't change much about the cards themselves. It wasn't until Upper Deck came out really. and really changed the hobby. Mm-hmm. Legion says, remember when they UV-coded Conseco rookies? Are you talking about like the Tiffany kind of, is that Tiffany stuff? I'm not sure what that's in reference to. There, were, there was, yeah, there were those uh, collector sets, if that's what you're referring to. Yeah, I'm more I'm familiar with it. Special type sets. Joe says, I bought a 54 Aaron in the late 70s through the mail. Collectors have been able to connect with collectors for many years and will continue to do so. Yeah, but but nowadays it's instant, right? Like You, you probably got a good deal on that Aaron in the 1970s. Yeah. You probably got a good deal on it. Yeah, because yeah, you're, sit, you're sitting pretty now on that one, Joe. Yeah, if you still have it, you probably did all right. Yeah, I bought I bought my Hank Aaron rookie probably six or seven years ago. And I, I mean, considering what they're worth now, I did well, but not as well as you did, Joe. Mm-hmm. All right, Carlos, man, we're, we're way past uh, my bedtime here. And it's yeah. even later where you are. It's your show. You you got the button. I don't. <laughs> you look at me like I like I have a choice in the matter. You got a button. It's in the corner. Knock yourself out. I'm just I'm just starting the goodbyes. All right. Carvin says UD attracted me to the business in in 1989, and afterwards it was a dream to work for them creating card sets. Yeah, man, you had the best job going, Carvin. We all wanted your job for sure, for sure. And you, and you did a great job at it too, my friend. Great job. I don't think the hobby would actually be the same if it wasn't for Carvin, to be honest. So thanks to him for, and I mean the good parts of it, you know. I mean, which which has led to where we're at now. So, well, Carvin, I've decided to give you credit for all of it. I'm going to give you praise, but also all the bad parts are also all you. You yeah. get it all, Carvin, all it's of all, it. You can't take all, half. All you got to take it all. Legion, good night to you. Joe, yeah, this is probably the record. The most uh, hours of Sports Cards Live in a single day. We're, 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 we're at the four-hour mark, I believe. We did it, you guys. Frankie says, good show, guys. You think UD will ever do a Series 1 and 2 factory sets with all young guns? I have that no would be idea. a really – I think that would be I, – I, I wouldn't be surprised, but it would be such a bad idea. The the whole the the even though young guns are not scarce, they're scarcer. Putting it in a factory set. Yeah, that's like uh, that 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 reminds me of the uh, what what are they called again? The vending cases of the eighties and late. What if you cheat? What if you cheated and did a different version, a different picture for the card that was very clearly the factory one? Yeah, you could probably do that because the so hobby here. one would have to be different. You couldn't keep it so, the same. So bad. first, Carvin says, "Thank Carlos. Yes, I will take it all." And all then, yours, buddy. And then he okay. says, "No, Frank." 
They will not do. They will not do them. Okay, that's nice to see. He goes on to say, "We talked about it all the time." Yeah, so I don't think it's a good idea. Discussion. I don't think it's a good idea. Chris says he'll be back for the late, 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 late <laughs> show. Yeah, yeah. And there you yeah. go. Thanks, Carvin. Okay, guys, that's it for tonight. Um, yeah. Carlos, luck, thanks you. Th thank you for co-hosting with me tonight. Everybody watching, uh, we had great viewership tonight for After Hours. Really good viewership for the earlier episode with Chris Carlin from Upper Deck. That was a an awesome episode with him. All the great things that Upper Deck is doing. Thank you, uh, everybody, for tuning in. Carvin says you'd have to make it four to $500 for the set for it to mm -hmm. make any financial yeah. sense. Some of the best conversations going. Thank you so much. I wish I knew who you were. If you could post quick, your quick name. Thing, like quick thing I want to say just based on that as well. Guys, great comments. It yeah. led to some really good questions, some really good debate. That's Jeremy's After Hour show is going to be its own entity, but I love the possibility for a night like tonight when we had some really good folks that brought up some excellent points that led to some great conversation. I, I told him before we started, we don't need to, we'll take a couple of points, but then let's go where it goes. The comments yeah. brought it, guys. You guys brought it. Yeah. And, and hey, man, that's the way my viewership has been from almost the beginning. Like, I got to, I got to say, like, it's the viewers have, 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 have helped the show evolve into what it's become, even with after, even with this after hours. There, guys. There, guys. Praise for you. Praise, praise for all for of you, you out there typing. Great, great comments. There was thank some you, good everybody. Ones. Brett, thank you. Fun show. Yes, this was fun. Even though I feel like I'm losing my voice and I'm tired. It was an awesome conversation. Eric, thank you to you. Legion, thank you. Troy Medina, nice to know. Welcome and thank you so much for joining. Thought you hit. You might have hit it earlier. Or something it just depends on if you're on a different device. Carbon, Carlos, make sure you give me a chance to have a rebuttal to your critique. There you go. Well, there, there are 100 critiques. Could you be more specific? <laughs> which, but yeah, definitely. definitely. Well, Carbon, tune in. Uh, Carlos is going to have a meet on with him on his channel tomorrow night. I'll be watching. Uh, feel free to comment you on know that. What, you know what, Carbon? Maybe I, I haven't bought, like I said, I haven't scheduled anything out. But let, let's, uh, later on, let me reach out to you. Let's see if we can, let's see. Maybe I'll have you on. You can rebut directly. There you go. There you go. Hey, we'll do that. Chris says, yes, shower us keyboard warriors with love. I love it. Chris. It's all you, Chris. It's all you. It's all guys. You. I'm hitting the end broadcast button. This has been a lot of fun, guys. I'm, I'm really enjoying the after hour. So thank you all for joining uh, everybody. I mean it. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for joining. It makes the evening so much more enjoyable. Carlos, thank you for joining me as co-host tonight. We'll have you back again within the next two or three weeks. I am sure. Good. Have what, fun. what just rolled in? Carvin says, okay. Yeah. All right, guys. Always job, buddy. We'll do it. Okay, sounds good. Carlos, wait, wait there if you don't mind.